Welcome to the Spitball Sessions. Prepare to enter the world of mechanics, the future of game creation, the evolution of design. With your two hosts, Josh Noyes and Luke Boulay, this is the dawning of the new age of remakes. Everybody and welcome to Spitball Sessions, where you must defeat your games to complete your games. My name is Josh, and I'm the uh, owner of SpitballSessions.com. I'm joined today by Spitball Sessions designer and webmaster, as long as my longtime friend Luke. Luke, what have you been up to as far as programming goes? Um, not Great. much actually. Okay, excellent, or not excellent. Uh, what did I do? I wound up making a program that will reverse people's names. And uh, basically try to turn them into Star Wars names and yeah. then sort them by the uh, alphabetical order and then make another name. I don't know. I was bored this I was bored yesterday, so I needed something to do during my lunch break. Fancy. Um, I, I haven't really it's, been... nice, it's nice being able to write an entire program in like 20 minutes. Uh, well, you're improving. Yes. Um, on my phone. On your phone. Well, yeah, having, having it handy at all times is good, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for those of you who are wondering at home what Spitfall Sessions is all about, we take ideas and concepts, try to filter out what part of them are gems, and then discuss how that could be used to make interesting games, or how a rough game could be cut and polished even further. Today, we're looking at an interesting topic, which I'm going to be calling Building a Better Open World Game. So, I'm going to jump really quickly to, usually we do this at the end of the mouthwash, but I'm going to jump right to uh, what you've been, or some of my what you've been playing, because I've been playing two games that end with the word dogs. Watch Dogs 2 and Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping Dogs is a really great game. Watch Dogs 2 is a really bad game. Well, it's not a bad game. It's a good game with a terrible plot. Yeah. And characters. Um, you kind of showed these games to me. I don't have them, but um, we did talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the major issues with um, Watch Dogs was... <sighs> the characters this, are bad people acting like they're heroes. They're, they're, they're taking this moral high ground, but it's it's really the pot calling the kettle black. It really is. It's really, really bad in that regard. It's 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 trying to be Robin Hood, but it comes off as Che Guevara. Yeah, it's, it's just not. It's just not. Uh, the the characters that you deal with are, are really annoying. And if you have... I, I guess if you're a member of Antifa, you probably would enjoy this game. Yeah. Just yeah. because the idea of of sticking it to the man is probably right up your alley and this you'll love this game. But if you have strong political views There you go. And you feel the need to express them. If you want to fight the law and beat the law This is your game. This is your game. But it it got me it got me thinking, cause Especially with these two games. They both end in dogs. And they're both ostensibly about the same thing, where you have people who are sort of operating on both sides of the law. Because the main character, uh, Wei Shen, of Sleeping Dogs, is, a, is an undercover cop pretending mm-hmm. to be a, a member of the triads so that he can infiltrate them and bust them. And Watch Dogs is a character who was partially falsely accused of being a potential criminal based on the things that he had been doing who then goes on to actually become a criminal while attempting to fight the corporation that said that he would become a criminal and ostensibly is not necessarily doing something that is in and of itself necessarily wrong, which is, you know, fighting for people's 
freedom to not constantly be monitored in everything they do. I mean, I, I certainly think 1984 is not necessarily a place that we necessarily want society to end up, though I'm not necessarily sure I would be that terrified if it did. I know I'm a minority in that particular opinion, but, you know, certainly uh, I think other people are much, much, much more terrified of that idea. I figure, you know what? They want to watch me being fat in my living room. They can watch me being fat in my living room. That's a lot of it. I mean, what are people worried about? I, I, I can understand the idea of, like, having privacy. I think a lot of them are worried that, you know, people will say, oh, this person's gay. We should arrest them. Or, oh, this person's black. We should arrest them. Or, oh, this person likes watching really weird porn. We should arrest them. Or, oh, this person eats is a vegan. We should arrest them. Or yeah, but that, owns a gun. We should arrest them. No, that's nonsense, though. Because, like, that kind of argument <clears throat> only flies so far because it's still right. we still have the social net uh, the social network, the social backbone of society that keeps gay people and vegans and weird porn watchers and what was that last one uh people who own guns people who own guns it keeps these people from being arrested in the first place well you it, don't need to have a if if, if oversight you, to if reinforce you, that kind of if you think activity. that you if you think that you are a uniquely persecuted minority who is only kept from being permanently murdered and tortured for the rest of your life through the major inaction and fighting of constant vigilance and the people around you who uh, protest constantly, then the idea that the instant some of those people stop watching you, you are going to be kidnapped, tortured, and murdered, I guess I could see how you get to that, but that's not really necessary. That's kind of an out-of-the-game issue. I mean, that seems to be, that. that has always been what I've always heard, is that basically the idea is, well, yes, but because they can't watch me and society allows me to basically do things freedom and without being watched. But the instant people can watch me, they'll just wait until I'm alone and then murder me um, because, you know, they believe that they are a uniquely persecuted minority who the entire world is trying to kill. That's a bit of what you said there. That was a little strange, but uh, the whole uniquely per- per- uh, persecuted minority point yeah. is is true and that if the government I'm not saying it's not crazy i'm just saying it's well uh, yeah i mean the whole that's part i mean of the if problem. you're if you're the idea is that idea is flawed because this is a uniquely persecuted <clears throat> minority the whole murder you when you're not being observed if you're always being observed then there's nothing to worry about because there's no way someone's going to be able to sneak into well i don't you, know your if, bathroom where no one else can if see you it. think that the whole point of the government is to track down and murder those people you know, it's, it's, it's the people who believe that the government has complete and total control over everything going on at all times. I don't even think that's the argument that they'd have. They feel that the, the government, regardless of what level of control they have, is actually biased against their culture, race. Right, right. Well, uh, exactly. Personal tastes and, but I don't know, Fabergé eggs or whatever. It's that it's the giant conspiracy writ, writ large concept, basically. Yeah. And, you, oh, know. you know what? Honestly... In that regards, I feel that this game is doing a major disservice to that issue. By basically saying they're right? Exactly. Yeah, no, totally. Because as, as much as people will, will say, you know, this is just a game, this isn't actually real, people who believe that are going to play this game and say this is exactly what's going on, and they're going to use it to reinforce their own Paranoia. Their own well, paranoia. That's yeah. kind of why I like, like, I haven't played, the, I, will, I will admit, I've not played the first game, but, but reading about that, it was an ex-soldier who joins up with this underground resistance movement who have noticed that this this corporation is using it to spy on people, collect their data, and use it 
for the ends of being an evil corporation, not fighting the government because they are a maligned, persecuted minority. And I think that's... I still, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not, it, it's still not true, but there is a difference between saying the government is out to get you versus a corporation is taking all of your data and selling it to people overseas. Like that, at least I can say, Hey, you know what? You're a soul. Like a, it's an ex soldier rather than just some dude off the street. He's not saying, you know, and this, this is the thing that you and I talked about. He wasn't, you know, based on the plot, I was understanding. It wasn't him saying, well, I'm the good guy here. It was him saying, well, this is a bad thing to do. The way we're going about this is gross, but it's the right thing to do, so we're going to do it anyway, which is my biggest issue with Watch Dogs 2, is the fact that they make these people out to be heroes when at best they are morally gray. You know, at best they are do- they are using illegal and immoral tactics to do something that... To reinforce a cause which may be flawed. In, in which which may place. be flawed, but, he, but even if you agree with it, the actions that they are taking in support of it are wrong. You know. It's not this. It's not the same as as and I see what you're saying there. Yeah. In, in the situation of like, oh, I see this great wrong. We might have to do terrible things to right it. Right. As opposed to this whole, uh, this whole this thing is, isn't is an this issue. awesome. No. We're like, no, Watch Dogs no. Two is doing the. This is so cool. We're totally hip and awesome, man. No, no, no. That wasn't the point I was saying. Oh, okay. I was saying that there, they are. Okay, back to what I was saying. Okay, the original watchdogs from as you describe it sounds like they're saying there's a problem here. We're going to have to write it. We might have to do some terrible things. Right, to exactly. Write it. Which is is not good, but you can understand the the moral question that they're putting to you. I, I can sympathize with watchdogs too. They are trying to make it out that these moral ambiguities that they're carrying out for their great cause yep. make them fantastic people right. and they're doing something good and all of their sins are justified because of that. Yes, exactly. And there's no, we're doing this to right or wrong and uh, our souls are damned for it kind of situation. Right. It's just not there. And you're, and you're They're s- taking the high ground by being horrible people and that's just not right. Yeah. And like, I mean, and like I showed you, like you could just arrest, you, you could call in the cops and tell them this guy's a murderer. You should arrest him. Or, you could steal money just from random people on the street, which, which is which is wonderful when you think about it, because the the major cause of this is to take away that power from a corporation, right? Um, but then they abuse that power when they have it in their hands, right? Which is which, in my opinion, <coughs> a corporation with preset dictates on how that type of information should be handled, yeah, um, might be a more uh, worthy steward. Would be a much more worthy steward because they have rules set in place. Whereas the the random guy on the Let's street anyway. who decides that he wants to steal your money because he's got access to your account mm-hmm. or sell your information to China so that they can advertise their I don't know chubby beer porn or whatever they want to sell you. Um, yeah, chubby beer porn. That's what it was. Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is getting into a weird area. Yeah. I agree. Um, and and I honestly. In my opinion, I would trust, I would trust Google over some random guy on the street. I don't know that I would trust Google. Yeah, well, okay. over some random guy. Yeah, on over, the street. Some, over some random troll on the street. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, probably. True. I, I'm not 100 percent comfortable with, with Google. With Google, but at the same time, what are they going to do with my right. information and, anyway? And, and, and they're just going to try to make money off of me and whatever. Right, and 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 again, it's the like that's the thing is it's. If I felt like at the end of the, you know, if I felt like this game was going to say, 
you know, if I felt like the game the game was going to play with any of this or push and you know push pull on some of this stuff of exploring what it means to be corrupted by this same power, like oh now you have the same power the corporation has. Oh look at what a look at what this can make people do if it falls into anybody's hands. And, and it's that would be an interesting story. And it's terrible that by by what I see so far, they haven't even touched on this. They, I don't think they will. I think this is I think this is complete power fantasy game. And again, I'm fine with power fantasy games. It just feels weird in this context. Yeah. Like, you know, and 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 this is where we should probably get into talking a little bit about like games that I think are good open world games versus some games that I think aren't as good. Um and and you I'll, I'll actually let you you give a nod first to the to the games that you had initially pointed out before we shunt them aside too much. Um, I hadn't really put out that many, but you put Zelda. Yeah, pretty much. Breath of the Wild as an open world game did some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that it took advantage of one of the major flaws mm-hmm. of open world games, in that it it used the emptiness of a large world that, without, like No Man's Sky is a great example of of how that can be done poorly, where it was a whole universe of randomly generated stuff but because of the way it handled it it just seemed repetitive and trite and useless and that kind of made the game boring yep i agree zelda took the open world and carefully sculpted mountains and other interesting things visually but it still seemed empty and they somehow they managed to make that it make that emptiness part of the narrative in the game and that you are alone. You are alone all the time. And I think that reinforces the story of Breath of the Wild that you you will you're you're alone. I'm I, saying that a lot, but that's I, I don't think it works as well as you do, but I, I will agree with you on the in general that it, that's definitely true. I, I think they were very intelligent and and it's still a touchy thing because like it is emptiness mm-hmm. and and for some people, I guess you could find that a little boring. But for me, I thought it was a poignant reflection of what they were trying to do. I, I will also say, I think, you know, uh, Skyrim and uh, Oblivion and the Fallout games, or the Bethesda Fallout games, also do something similar. I think I think for me, the thing that they do, I'm not actually sure that they do it, but it feels like they do it, is they set up things so that if you've gone far long enough without seeing something interesting they'll just spawn something interesting into the world, which I like a little more. I like to occasionally just feel like I like being off on my own, but it's also nice to occasionally have something come up to, to threaten me. But I'm going to say we're, we're setting those aside a little bit. Cause I think those are, are very well done, but I also think that it's worth coming back to those at another time, but they, I don't know why, but for me, they feel like a very different thing and I haven't quite been able to put my finger on it. Cause you know, we're all about definitions and, and ideas and concepts here. I can't put my finger on what it is, but I there think, is a difference between them. Uh, well, Present the games that you wanted to, okay. to talk about more, more, and I so, will. I will put out my. So, so a, a lot of my games are in the um, are in the the GTA style. Let's say are, are successors to that concept. So I'll say that the, for me, the ones that I think are the best are um, Just Cause. Uh, I think GTA Five does some really interesting things. I think Sleeping Dogs does some really interesting things. Saints Row Three and Four. Spider-Man 2, and I think Spider-Man 2 is the only good Spider-Man uh, open-world game, uh, Bully, and then uh, Red Dead Redemption. <coughs> all of those, I would say, are good to great open-world games. Uh, a lot of what I see in all of those, uh, uh, well, first of all, 
almost every single one of those is in an urban environment. That's true. And I was even going to say, like, uh, Assassin's Creed is another one, and Prototype are other ones that I had put down. Also urban environments, yeah. even if they're a little right. The, the, the only one that does not really fall into that is Metal Gear Solid Five, And even that, I would actually say, is somewhere borderline between this style and the, and the yeah. Zelda style. So I think a lot of that is, is just because, uh, like... In yeah. most of those games, you're well, exploring. And just cause is also a little. You're exploring a city. You've got some open areas, but most mm-hmm. of it's enclosed. Most of it, what, uh, most of it feels narrower than like if you were to go running out. And it feels, and it feels much more alive. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's it's much more populated. There's, that's true. Like like Zelda, Skyrim, and that ilk. Yeah. Usually are populated with carefully characterized. And mm-hmm. created characters to the point where you can ac- accidentally ruin Skyrim, or actually, I think it was Oblivion, the previous one. You could accidentally yep. ruin the storyline for yourself because if you killed someone who was crucial to the main storyline, they would never die. There, there's also something to be said for the. And I, well, I, I wasn't quite oh, done with where, where sorry, I was with that. So they were populated with. Prefabricated character. Everyone is tailored. They have their own routines and mm-hmm. whatever like that. But it also means that there's a lot less people. True. Whereas the games like GTA, Just Cause, Sleeping Dogs, there's lots of randomly generated population people who have no other merit than that they go from point A to point B, right. and then they despawn when they leave your field of influence because they're not they're not characters in the game. So they're just there to fill it with more people to make it feel. Like a full populated environment. True. Where would you put mercenaries? Because I think that would be in this in this style as well. Mercenaries. Uh, mercenaries world in flames. Oh. Mm. Uh, the the old the, the the one that took place in North Korea and the other took place in Venezuela. Whew. I don't know. Was that I, even open world? It was. I would I would put them. I would actually put them in the Metal Gear Solid, uh, Just Cause sort of in that. Ilk. Uh, yeah, because they're more a little more mission specific, mm. more mission driven, and there and there is and but they 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 had that same sort of like just cause where it's open world, like there are jungles and stuff, but there's also big cities that you go into. Um, I actually think Mercenaries One was very good. I don't think Mercenaries Two was good. I think you kind of liked Mercenaries Two. <laughs> I can hardly remember the games. It, I it came out at about the same time as Crackdown, so that should tell you how long ago that was. Oh man, yeah, that was a long time ago. <clears throat> um, and and. Uh, so I sort of broke them down into three types. There's your crime-esque type games, such as GTA, Sleep- Sleeping Dogs, Saints Row, Saints Row Bully sort of, uh, Lego City Red Dead, Undercover. Lego City Undercover. Actually, Lego City Undercover is basically the Lego version of Sleeping Dogs. <clears throat> kind of. Um, uh True car, the the true crime games. Infamous, I think, falls into that. Not really. Or a prototype, maybe. No, I I, I put both of those under uh, superhero games. Right, you said Crackdown, though, right? Uh, I put Crackdown in the superpower games as well. Oh, okay. You and I would put this? and I would put Saint Ro- Saints Row Four in superpower games. Okay, I see what you're saying. Here. Um, so it's superpower. So it's like superhero games are Spider Man, where you're climbing up walls. Uh, Infamous, prototype. Saints Row 4, The Hulk, and Crackdown, where all of those characters have larger-than-life powers. They can jump really far. Uh, some of them can fly. Yeah. They all have some sort of superpower. Like, they can all... You could almost put Saints Row in there. Okay. Oh, no, that's Saints Row 4. Saints right? Row 4, actually, basically, the character is the dude from Prototype. Right. Uh, he can jump over buildings. 
Uh, he could fly. Starting to he see has, how often I play these kinds of games. He he has force push. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Saints Row in a second. So so the third the third set I have is the stealth deception games, which I think are really interesting but always flawed. Uh, so you've got Assassin's Creed. I think is the is sort of, Assassin's Creed and prototype. I think are the hallmark of those of that genre, mm-hmm. where you like prototype. You literally turn into the person. Uh, Assassin's Creed is more just about being stealthy. Wouldn't the new Prey fall under this category? I think so, but I think that I don't think it's an open world game. You don't think so? I thought I thought it was just a straight up first person shooter. I could it be might wrong. be linear. I, I could be wrong. I have not. I haven't played it. So. I haven't either. I would like to, but I've also heard it's a really scary game, so I may not. Um, <laughs> I've heard it's it's kind of horror. Well, horror-esque. the Prey series always has been a little on the horror. I've never played Prey one either. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, Watch Dogs actually has some has some uh, sneaking around stuff. Uh, the Saboteur, which was probably one of my all-time favorite open-world games for years, uh, where you are actually like it, it's actually like a early, like a proto Assassin's Creed, where you're set in, it's set in uh, World War II France, uh-huh. um, and you're playing an Irish member of the French Resistance. So you basically like could climb around like Altair uh, or, or uh, Ezio, and then you would like kill German guards and take their uniforms and basically pretend to be a German. Uh, and you could get in and out of bases, kind of like prototype. Uh, I'd love to put Thief in this list, but I don't think it's open world. I don't think Thief is, and I, it it Thief is Thief is definitely that's that idea, but it's not quite. The, it's not an open world game. I Thief, wouldn't say Thief should have been an open world game. So well, I think the earlier Thieves might qualify, but they are sort of pre open world. And then Metal Gear Solid Five is definitely this, but I don't really want to discuss Metal Gear Solid Five because that game is so. That game is not perfect, but that game is 100% what it wants to be, and I'm not sure that you could change anything about that and make <laughs> it a better game. Um, okay, so where do you want to go from here? So what I want to say is, first I want to talk about a second about Saints Row, because Saints Row is the craziest thing that has ever happened. So in the start of Saints Row 1, you are an anonymous gangbanger. You know, you just came, you just landed in Saints Row, and you get you get caught up with these guys called the, 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 the Third Street Saints, who are facing some issues... You make some friends, you make some enemies, and you go around and basically purge your territory. Second game starts off. You the, the the Third Street Saints are one of the biggest gangs in that area. Your uh your your friend's girlfriend is basically murdered. You go on a rampage of revenge, and by the end of that game, you are in charge of Saints of of the entire city of the, of uh, Saints Row. This is sounding wonderful. Now is where it gets really crazy. So at the start of the third game, you and your crew, dressed up as members of your crew, go do a bank robbery. You're such you you are so popular that the guards are like, please autograph and throw down your weapons before we arrest you because they want your autographs because you're so famous. You're all dressed up as members of as as Johnny Gad, who is sort of the uh, what's the term the mascot of that series. You're Doesn't all wearing you have like a mask. Yeah, you're all wearing giant Johnny Gap mask heads or head masks over your own head, over your own faces. You've got a guy who's along with you because he's studying up to play you in on TV in a movie, and then you get and then you get picked up by this rival gang, wind up in Steelport. I'm getting this impression that they've got someone on their team who just every time they put out a game goes, "How can we make this dumber?" 
And crazier, yes. No, dumber. And dumber. Um, and at one point, you are trained by Hulk Hogan on how to be a better fighter by putting a tiger in the back of your car who will slap, will slice you every time you uh, turn too, too sharply, and then you have to drive these obstacle courses. Um, and you... This is a side of Hulk Hogan I did not know. Well, technically, he, t- technically, he's playing a guy named a- Angel De La Franco, but it's voiced by Hulk Hogan. Um there's a moment where you drive, you are dri- singing along to Sublime while driving through, and the guys sing the entire song. It is a weird. Are you sure it was the guy, not you, just singing to Sublime? I was totally singing along, but it, no, it's it's a long scene, and you're actually driving in real time while you do it. Um, there's a scene where you where it basically turns into Tron, where you're fighting this hacker gang. You get hacked into the world. You turn into a toilet at one point, then they turn you in. Technically, this is all spoilers, but that game's like. Five years old now, so I'm not really super worried about okay, it. Okay, so this game is weird. This game gets weird. At the end of the game, you get elected president of the United States. Well, that's how the next game starts. Saints Row 4, you start off as the president. The very first thing you can do is you can, you have two bills that you are presented with. F cancer or F homelessness. I, of course, went with F cancer. Um, of course. You sign that into law. And then an alien comes out of the uh, out of the sky, murders you and your entire or murders your entire cabinet, places you in suspended animation, and then the rest of the game is basically the Matrix on an alien spaceship, so that you could get up to and f- and kill this guy, and then rescue who is it Jane Eyre, who then writes the continuing saga of Jane Eyre. Sp- Jane Eyre. Okay. Who gotcha. can, or not Jane Eyre. Uh, the 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 writer. Not uh, yeah, Jane Eyre's. Oh, yeah. Wait. Is Jane Eyre the character or the writer? That's what I'm trying to remember. Oh, Sarah's. I think it's Jane Eyre, um, who then writes the continuing saga of the third th- of the Third Street Saints as they basically take over all of the universe. Oh, who have the power now to travel through time and space. Also, there's a character on your thing played by Keith David, who is Keith David. Also, Keith David plays one of the other characters in the game because in the first game, one of the characters was played by Keith David. Okay. Are we are we done here? Yes. Can we move oh, on? Oh, also you have superpowers when you're inside the matrix, including the ability to jump over buildings, fly, shoot lightning, and travel at run at super high speeds. And I guess we don't really want to forget about the whole. Uh, is that is that Saints Row? No, that's something. Else. Also, also, there's a moment where you rescue Johnny Gat. <sighs> okay, we're not going to go over the entire game here. <laughs> and it plays the boys are back in town. Okay, that's been Spitball Sessions. I think we're done now. Yeah, I know. So what I'm saying is Saints Row is a crazy series. Mm-hmm. And also, Saints Row 3 is probably one of the best open world games of all time. That being said, we want to make a game that tops that. So I think there's really three things to consider with, with open world games. And we, we sort of laid them out. One is how real they feel. Mm-hmm. Two is sort of how much freedom and ability they allow you. And three is, do they push you in a direction that feels logical? Like Watch Dogs, for example, doesn't feel like the story they're telling you and the actions that you're performing don't ever really feel like they line up. Because you are ostensibly this hacker hero, but the things they allow you to do are all themed around open world chaos, which is what a lot of those games are about. Which doesn't exactly... I mean, like, the idea that you can just randomly remote control a car on the street is silly. Is weird. I mean, that's dangerous. It's fun, but that's not something a hero would do. Whereas, I think Just Cause is a game where what they want you to do and who you ostensibly are lines up. I mean, you're a guy... You're a 
a one-man guerrilla army. Mm-hmm. And your mission is go into this place, blow a bunch of stuff up until this third world dictator basically gets scared out, off. Mm. You know, I think, I think say, you know, the one that a lot of people like to talk about is Grand Theft Auto 4, where the character you are playing is a guy who wants to be done. He doesn't want to hurt people. He doesn't want to be involved in this crime. The whole story is about him. He's trying to get out. He's a new immigrant. He's trying to make a new life for himself. And he gets roped into this thing that is bigger than he is. But outside of the game, there's a like it has. You can do all the Grand Theft Auto stuff. You can run people over. You can shoot people. You can cause massive chaos, and those never really feel like they line up. Mm-hmm. As opposed, you know, and I think Sleeping Dogs is one that does it really well, where you're playing a cop who's also a member of the Triads. So when you're on missions, you're not supposed to be hurting civilians. You're not supposed to be killing people. You're trying to avoid doing that when possible. But you're also, you know, you also got to look tough. So, you know, beating people up gets you score, you know, roughing people up gets you score, intimidating people gets you score, you know, with the triads. They they respect you more. Um, and, I, you know, it's an interesting push-pull dynamic of am I going to try to rough a bunch of people up or am I going to try to be really, play it really safe and, and keep the cop, stay on the cop's good side. And I think that really shows, does a good job of showing what that character actually is probably dealing with in real life or would be dealing with in that situation. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think when I look at the games that I don't feel really do that very well, like prototype is a game that I think of where I feel like is like, it's an interesting game, but I have I never, I never liked prototype. I always felt gross playing prototype. Yeah, uh, that's the one where you're like a mutant, right? Yeah, and you eat people constantly. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah, but I mean, the ideas in that game are really interesting, but I just felt like a bad person playing that game because it's just constantly just murdering people for no reason. I think that's a big that's a big issue with a lot of these. If mm. you really put it down, put, uh, put your finger on it. And like, there's a lot of people who enjoy that side, yeah. but I mean, more often than not, uh, you're causing wanton destruction yep. wherever you go. Not just wanton destruction, but wanton <coughs> destruction. I cause wanton destruction anytime I go to a Chinese restaurant. So, like, it does lend itself well to the criminal theme. Yes. But it also will conflict with, like, the good guy side of things. It is a lot, a lot harder. Of games like to push. It is a lot harder to play a, a heroic Although, I will say, like, there are games that I think have pulled it like I don't think John Marsden is a heroic character, but I think he is a noble character. On the other hand, who's that? Uh, the character from Red Dead Redemption. Okay, who is the cowboy who was a criminal and is trying to round up his former gang for the cops uh, or the authorities or I guess technically uh, CIA or FBI or whatever. But like most of the people that he is killing are bandits or robbers or thieves. Like he's not just killing random people on the streets. Also it was the old West. So it was a little bit more lawless. It falls in line with the theming. Right. And I think like he, he, I mean, he's an ex criminal. He's not necessarily a good heroic person, but he is trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they even have a thing where you can't sleep with any of the women in the game because he is a married man and refuses to do that, which I think is a really nice and interesting touch. Yeah. Um, that I think a lot of games wouldn't necessarily have the guts to do. Um, I think Bully also, like, you're a, you're a kid who was sent to this private school because he's a troublemaker, but most of the trouble in that game is not caused by you. Um, I think those are two really good examples. And also, you're a kid, so you're not causing huge amounts of chaos. You're not murdering people. You're 
getting in fistfights with the with the nerd kids because they cheated you at cards, or you're going you're sneaking into the girls' uh, dormitories to try to recover you know panties and socks, which is creepy, but it's also things kids do. Okay. Uh, I was also thinking uh, in that vein, another another game um, th- that fell into this category in some ways and does it relatively well would be the Fallout series. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that, and the theming, again, lends itself well to the whole, well, the the storyline leaves morally leaves you morally open to choose whether or not you want yep. to be a horror, hero or not so it's reflected by your play style anyway yeah if you and because you're being given the uh the choice of how you want to deal with the situations your behavior reflects that i would i would also say infamous sort of along that same line because it does have that choice the problem is i feel like infamous both of the infamous games are a little too black and white Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this food drop landed. Do you want to share all the food with everybody and then be a nice guy, or do you want to keep all the food for yourself and be a bad guy? Actually, do you know what? Um, what system I kind of liked because it was kind of parallel to, but not really. I liked Mass Effect's uh, Paragon and Renegade. Yeah, I think that's a good because idea. it wasn't exactly good and good, good or evil. Yeah, it was kind of like well, that's what. To that, I mean, that's sort of what Infamous was trying to do. It was supposed to be more of like selfish versus selfless, but mm. it still shook out. But I mean, it was still just very black or white. It was, do you want to share all your food or do you want to keep all your food? It's mm. like there's no there's no middle ground. There's no in between. And well, that's that's the other thing um, I liked about that is because because if uh, because 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 um, whenever you did things that would boost your Paragon or Renegade levels and you yeah. could boost both it yeah. wasn't like black or white um it would open up new options for how you interact with certain situations yeah. that's 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 useful they did not have that part in in infamous and they really should have yeah it was mostly do you want the cool red powers or do you want the cool blue powers <laughs> fantastic and actually i think the red powers were better but there were some really really nasty choices you had to make to get the red powers and i didn't want to make those choices yeah like do you want to murder your best friend? Well, I mean, I do want to murder Luke, but not the character in the game. So, no. Um, well, I mean, that's that's the thing about that. I'm kidding, Luke. I only want to, you know, injure you. Me. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, that's the that's the thing about that. It's, it's the same thing with... Well, it's the, the mechanic kind of came from Star Wars, if you think about it. Because it's oh, yeah. the dark side. Well, I was going to say it came from KOTOR. Which came from which is which is Star right, Wars, right? Exactly, exactly. It's been that good side, dark side. The the dark side is technically yeah, totally. more powerful. I mean, you can shoot lightning from your eyebrows. Or I, f- I feel like if you trace it back, you really can't. Like that is probably the game. Well, I guess the Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight. But yeah, but I I, I think yeah, Star Wars games is where that really probably started to show up. Yeah, which is you're probably right. Um, so I think the one thing I would really like to see, and like, oh, I know, okay. Ducks. You want to see more ducks. I do want to see more ducks. Um, no, so I actually, I did have one idea okay. for a proposal, which is, I think there is a good way to sort of mix this idea of character who feels right in the setting with this bustling area, and it plays into a lot of the sleeping dog stuff, which is, I think you should play a detective. And I had... Two in mind. Well, okay. So first of all, there already was a game that did some of this stuff, and you've you've heard of it. I've heard of it. We've I, I've played it. You probably haven't. La Noire. Yep. I, that's exactly what was coming to mind when you started saying so those words. There's one problem with La Noire. 
It's not open world, is it? No, it is open world. It is? And it doesn't need to be. That's okay. kind of the problem. Ah. It's <coughs> it's sort of the same. It's like you talked about with Zelda, except take out all of the other things. Like, it's basically, it's open world because you have to drive around and go to different crime scenes and there are things you have to research. But it's all linear anyway. But it's sort of all linear. And yeah, so it's basically just a lot of time driving around doing nothing. Um, I mean, occasionally there are side missions, but for the most part, it doesn't need to be an open world game. Mm-hmm. It could just be an adventure game. Um, and I, I wanted to like L.A. Norman. I kind of don't. Um, it is a little too much adventure game for my taste, but I feel like that game would have been better just as an, as an adventure game. But I think you could do something similar with a character that was actually my first open world game that I played way back in the original pre-Windows 3.1 computers, Dick Tracy. Aha. Good so, old Dick Tracy. Dick yeah. Tracy's great. So there was actually, I mean, what you would now probably call an open world Dick Tracy game on 5.1, flo- on five and a quarter floppy drives, floppy disks, where it's actually very similar to the NES Dick Tracy, where there's this, there's this open world map and you'd be told, oh, there's this crime here. You should go investigate it. And then you'd find evidence. And then you would use that to trace to new evidence, which you would eventually use to take down one of the seven kingpins in the city. You know, uh, your flat tops, your all the your flat tops, mumbles, whispers, all the other guys. Um the blank I, I forget who all the, the, the kingpins are. But I think you could do a story like that where you're playing Dick Tracy. I, I also said maybe Sherlock Holmes, but I think Sherlock Holmes is, is a little different, but where you're playing we Dick could do that though. Right. Where you're playing is Dick Tracy and you want and and each of the like and each district of the city is owned by a different mob boss. And then something happens and it starts this war between the mob bosses. And so you're the guy caught between them. So you're not a criminal. You still want to be a good person. You're not going to be running around murdering civilians constantly, which I think is a thing that I... I, I would like to see a game with that, with this open world mechanic mm-hmm. that actually punishes you for killing innocent uh, uh, people. Assassin's Creed does, or it starts to later in the series. Um, oh, it does. If you, if you murder... Two civilians, uh, more than more than one civilian on a mission, uh, it makes you restart the mission. Yeah, because it, it takes out alignment because that character will play. right. Yeah. Um, and, and Sleeping Dogs does something similar, where if you kill people while you're on a mission, or if you kill civilians while you're on a mission, it's not a severe penalty, but it it does penalize you like forty points. Um, you know, they have actually started to do that in some of these games, and I think I think that's a good thing, and that's sort of what I like with the Dick Tracy idea is, you know. If you kill, you know, again, you don't want to make it the first time you kill a civilian because that's a little too penalizing. But, you know, if you are considered to be a threat to the city, you lose your badge and gun. You know, if you if you just start going out on the street and murdering people, you're going to lose your badge. Wow. Okay. So just to throw in here, and you can cut this wherever you want, a list of Dick Tracy bosses starting in 1931. Big Boy, yep. Dan Michelli, Larence Lou, Boss Herod, Cut Femon, Bookie Joe, Lips Manless, Danny Supina, Mayor Chiang, Junkie Dolb, Jerome Troz, Sar Ennis, Little Face Finney, Jocks, BB Eyes, 88 Keys, Measles Zenog, Shoulders, Coffee Head, Mrs. Volts, Big Frost, P.S. Tone, The King, George Alpha, Odd Zone, 
Open Mind Monty, Rughead, Charlie Hardly, Willie the Fifth. That's fifth? Yeah. Ace of Spades, Piggy Butcher, Mr. Intro, The Brain, Flipside, Pinhead, Red Hawk, The Chameleon, Moose, Fiendish Fred, Royal Flush, Baskerville, Big Ace, Panda, Davy Mylar, Mr. Crime, and Venus. So, I wow. actually, yeah, there's a lot of villains. I mean, you got four years of, of a comic, you have to have a few. Four? Forty. Forty, yeah. Something like that. I think it went uh, to 1931 to 2014. Oh, I didn't realize it was still going. Okay. So, yeah, when you have almost 80 years, um, you, you, you come up with a lot of villains. But, I mean, I, I think the seven or eight big ones are like Big Boy, uh, Measles, Mumbles, uh, Pinhead, Rugged. I didn't see Mumbles in there. I think he was one that they made up for the movie. Uh. Um just falling in line with the weird name. I was gonna say taking taking the you know the the movie is is what I sort of think of as as the, which I mean even that's thirty years old at this point, but that's sort of what I think of as the sort of the standard. Uh, and that's what the, the original game was based on was the movie, right? Um, so that that's sort of what I was using. Um, or maybe it was whispers and not mumbles. I don't remember. Mumbles it, sounds right. But but I mean that actually I mean the way you laid that out, like you even just going through those, you could hear that some of those would be kingpins. I mean, big boy is the guy who runs. The entire city, and then he's got the seven guys under him, and you can sort of even lay it out like, all right, so you've got your street level toughs who you would probably do some roughing up of, or maybe even do some favors for to get them to roll over on some guys, and then you've got the kingpins, and you got to collect all the kingpins so that you can get the big boy and take him down. Like you can even sort of see in your mind, map out in your mind, like, oh, you've got this level of guys, this level of guys, this level of guys, then the guys at the top. And sort of how that hierarchy would all play out. And I th- I think Dick Tracy is the perfect candidate for an open world game. I think I, I kind of like the idea, the the mechanic that I'm seeing where, yeah, you, you could do jobs for guys mm-hmm. because you're not a cop. They're not just going to turn against you. Right. Or you could fight guys depending on the situation and, and the opinion of that specific exactly. mob that you're dealing with. Uh, to get enough information to find the underling, mm-hmm. then you get the underling, you deal with him or get them arrested, and then depending on the success rate, maybe it could be like a random roll or yep. like a combination of random roll and value, uh, once you either get a good roll yep. or you get enough underlings, it points you to the boss, yep. the kingpin, and then to the main boss. So yep. you'd be working your way up a thing. Or maybe you had to like start over in another district and work your way up to the next guy and get all of them. Yeah, get all the districts and then go after the big boss. Exactly. Yep. And and, and I think that, that it also deals with some other interesting aspects because I think one of the things that drives me the craziest about open world games is that there's always at least one type of mission that just doesn't feel good. And it's usually, I mean, it's, it's the same things we always talk about. It's either racing missions or escort missions. Uh, well, escort missions. Oh, I hate escort missions. I do too. So here, well, so the great thing about Dick Tracy is you wouldn't need to be doing races because Dick Tracy doesn't do races. Mm-mm. Like that's not what Dick Tracy is about. Dick Tracy, and actually we should say Arkham Asylum, I guess, is technically also a detective in an open world game. Um, I don't like Arkham City that much. Mm-hmm. I like Arkham Asylum. I don't like Arkham City. But you could actually start, you, instead of racing missions, which we all know everybody kind of hates in most open world games. There are a couple games where it's okay. Investigation missions, which play out more like something like an L.A. Noir, where, oh, there's this crime that went down in the warehouse. Go out to the warehouse. You start looking around. 
I recognize that. That's a forged dollar bill. Who do I know runs the mon- the numbers rackets around here? Rug, rug, you know, rughead, rug top, um, whatever mm-hmm. his name is. So you start. So then it's like, okay, well, this crime was clearly committed by his his goons were at least involved in this. So now I got to go over there and start dealing with them, and it gives you a way out of some of those classic, yeah, classic ideas and allows you to do some more interesting things, allows you to substitute some of that stuff out. Also, another thing that I think is really important in a good open world game is you want the city to feel real. Like, the the one thing that I do really love about... There's a couple things. The gameplay of Watch Dogs is actually a lot of fun, I should say. Um, But the other thing I really love about Watch Dogs is it takes place in San Francisco. And the Giant Mom guys, who have an office in San Francisco, did a playthrough of it. I watched their quick look, and they're like, this is... The map is smaller than it is in real life, but they're like... This is where our office would be if our office was in this game, mm-hmm. like right here. And they could take the, like they could drive from essentially where their house is on the, on the interstate from their house to the game, to the, to their office in the game. So they just rode into work in, in the, game. the game, you know, and, and again, it's smaller. It took, you know, three or four minutes instead of 30 well, minutes. Well, they're probably also going like five times the speed. Limit. Right. But, but. You can do I mean, well. The map is the map is definitely smaller than it is in real life, but it's still a a realistic map, and they've got all the major landmarks. Um, I mean, just just causes is a fake world, but it feels very realistic. You yeah. know, all of the games that I think of as being the ones that I really like, the games feel even if they're not real world locations, they feel very well realized. And Dick Tracy again has that what, 80-something years of lore. So you have this map where you can say, well, this happened here, this happened there, this happened here. It has all these landmarks that people who... I mean, I'm not so a huge could, Tracy you could, fan. You could rebuild half of the events of, in the comic book. Exactly, and, and you could build the locations. And the other great thing, at least from the movie, I don't know if this is true in the, in the, in the comics, in the movie, every single one of the characters of, of the Kingpins was... Had a, di- had a suit of a different primary color. And that's really important to be able to tell each of the groups apart. So each of their bo- each of their mobs could be color keyed to that boss. Yeah, that makes the sense. So there's there's the easy way to tell each of the gangs apart. And the great thing is rather than two or three bosses, which most games have, you'd have seven, but they'd all be slightly smaller. So it wouldn't be, I'm going to spend the next eight hours taking out this boss. It's going to be, I'll take the next two or three hours to take this boss. And they'd be much more interconnected. You wouldn't just go all the way up one chain. You'd have to take out some of this guy's, which pull, roll over on some of this guy's, who let you... And you'd have to wait till a, a crime scene incident happened to right. advance this area over here. Which is which is also something which is great, because like I feel like so many of the... Like, so many open world games don't feel like they move until the player moves. Mm-hmm. Like... Everything is static until the player does something interesting or important. It advances the the storyline, which also advances the, the the way the city exactly. Works. And I so I think I think Dick Tracy is possibly is my idea for how to get all of these things, make the tone right, make the city right, and make the gameplay interesting. What do you got? I would probably, uh, you know, I was thinking the same thing you were about. Going with uh, something that was a little more unique and interesting, having a a, a, a good world with a lot of lore mm-hmm. and a lot behind it, and something that hasn't been explored a lot. And I was thinking one one series we have actually haven't seen a lot of is um, Blade Runner. 
Ooh. A steam semi steampunk futuristic world. Meet cyberpunk? Meet cyberpunk okay. and, and just has it has so much to lend it. And the idea of actually like being uh the main character hunting down I, simulants and following the concept behind the original Blade Runner mm. um and and uh, unraveling that story in the game just just taking the original story and being part of that would be amazing i think uh i think that that's sort of what um cd project red's next game is uh, cyberpunk 2020 or whatever it is um i think that they are actually talking about basically trying to do a lot of the the blade runner things i mean the one the only game that i really think of that that nailed that sort of aesthetic is a game that I don't like, which is Deus Ex, or specifically Deus Ex Human Revolution. See, the problem I have with Deus Ex, while I do like the concept because it does kind of yeah. have that feel, it's not gritty enough. I think mm. one of the things that really lends itself well to the Blade Runner universe is just how how gritty it is. It is. It, it, feels, it feels like the seedy under, underbelly of a city. And I don't get that feeling from Deus Ex. It, it's just too clean it is. half the time. Well... Yeah. Maybe the, not so the, much down the road. But human, like, human Revolution definitely feels very clean. You're right. It, that's that's the major problem I had with that. Is It, it was just like, you, you it know was what, too shiny you, all the time. You know what I would actually say? Let's marry it or, or maybe sort of marry it. With, well, I think um, I think Blade Runner is good, but I also think um, Fifth Element. Like there's something about flying oh. cars that would just make that so much more I, fun. I, I love that. Uh, I do love the feeling of Fifth Element. And I get the feeling that they were kind of inspired by the Blade Runner feel when they designed Oh, totally. Totally. I, so I think some of the same people work those, on it. Either of those worlds would actually work really well. And actually, the, the concept of doing something, there's a lot you could do with Fifth Element because there's so much open, but the background is there to build up. I, I actually think you could marry the two and make it sort of like another open world game that I quite like, which is uh, Red Faction Guerrilla, by actually doing both at the same time. So on Earth, the world is more like Blade Runner, where it's very gritty, it's very poor, a lot, you know, it's 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 polluted, it's really hard to survive. And on Mars or the moon... Or orbital station. Or an orbital station. Well, I, I was specifically thinking thinking Mars, so you could have the joke, get your rear end to Mars, um, from Total Recall. Um, but... Have that clean and modern and fantastic. And have that be your fifth element world where okay. where you have your flying cars and your rich people. And so it would be you you would have to unlock different transfer stations. So like you'd be stuck on Earth because you'd be broke, but then you do some sort of job and then you get you get framed for something and wind up therefore you get framed and somebody basically deposits a bunch of money that they're trying to hide in your bank account. So suddenly you're rich, but also the cops are after you. Uh, that would actually be kind of cool. Cause you could start the game as just kind of like, I don't know, like Decker. Yeah. Um, doing something. And, and it's like, I'm it's thinking a janitor. No, well, I wanted to be like, you start off the game thinking that you're playing one thing mm. and then it hits you with this major story plot point. Yeah. And you suddenly you've been playing this game trying to make money yep. work, make ends meet as you play. Yep, yep. And then suddenly you have eighty billion dollars. Oh, that would be crazy. Account. And so suddenly money's not the object, but you are running for your life. Yeah, that would actually be really cool. And and the other great thing about like the Blade Runner universe is they always know where you are. Right. 
And so there's less quite like it would actually have to be. Here's 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 one thing. One issue. I do like the idea of having Mars as like a, a top tier place to go. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've always f- uh, felt from Fifth Element, which is a a movie I love, right, right, was the tiered levels of the city. Okay. Where at the higher you got, the cleaner and the nicer it looked. That's true. So you could still do that, but as you progress in the game, you're working your way up and up and, and things get cleaner. Or that cleaner. or that would work. Then you could do it all on Earth. Then, and, yeah. and then you just jump to the whole Flossed in Paradise cruise ship kind of situation. Yeah, that would be perfect. And, and so then suddenly everything's like pristine and stark and mm. absolutely gorgeous. And that way there you can do what, what the guys wanted to do in Deus Ex and show off the shiny materials but at the same time, you have all this grit and grunge to really build an atmosphere um, that makes you feel blah. Yeah, and which is you, important. And while you were talking about, and while you were talking about the the aesthetics, it actually made me realize uh, while we were talking about the fact that they could see you everywhere you go, that actually makes a game where something like Assassin's Creed or like the saboteur stuff actually makes sense because it's not just oh, I've got to get away from this one or two soldiers, which, frankly, I'm stronger than anyway, so why the heck am I hiding from them? Mm-hmm. It's, no, literally the entire world is out to get me, so I'm going to have to steal people's clothes. I'm going to have to forge identities. I have all the money in the world on this phone. What am I going to do with it? And then things like hacking make sense. Then things like hiding from people make sense. Then things like Minority stealing Report? cars make sense. Yeah, exactly. You remember Minority Report and totally. how you had to get a fresh set of eyes? Exactly. So Stuff like that would be kind of cool. And that as you're trying to get from point A to point B, you're also trying to throw off their trail at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And I, and, and, and especially in a world like Blade Runner where things like cybernetics are, you know, where things like changing your eyes and changing your arms and legs are as simple as I mean, as simple, quote unquote, as popping off your arm and putting on a new one. Like you could change your fingerprints like that. You could change your eyes like that. I got I got a weird idea. How about we go the obvious reversal okay. um, from Blade Runner instead of it being that everybody's simulants. This could be a, like a twist in the story down the road. Instead of everybody being simulants. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, so everyone being human and the simulants being hunted, it's the other way around where you're in a city full of simulants. Yes. And, and you're the only you're human? hunting humans and then well, you're hunting humans. Oh, I see. And you don't realize it until the big twist. So it would basically be Battlestar Galactica? Kind of. Okay. Well, no, Battlestar Galactica is not like that. Um, well, I mean, it's basically about Cylons trying to murder all of the humans. Well, they're I guess when you put it that way, yes. Yeah. But I was thinking, like in the in the guise of Battlestar Galactica, you're on a ship full of humans and you're trying to find the the Cylon or two right. that's like perfectly masked. I think I think either way works, or you can do something even sort of in the middle where everybody's just sort of. I mean, depending on how far down the the the, the sci-fi you want to get, like you know, even just everybody has a little bit of cybernetic in them or a little bit of cyborg in like that, that spectrum of human to replicant to cyborg is all like different series handle it differently. I, 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 mean, I, you I like everybody far. being a little bit cyborg just because then you can do things like you could go as your far as to say that any human who's gone a hundred percent organic and has opted not even to get the chip yeah. with the chip being the identifier that everybody has. And if you don't have an identifier yeah. and they work really hard to fake that they do, uh, which is some something embedded in the back of their neck. If you don't have it, then you're, you're 
your coleslaw, as far as they're yeah. concerned. Oh, actually, I have it. Okay. Going off of the fan theory of how of Blade Runner, mm-hmm. you are a detective working for the Blade Runner team. Mm-hmm. The f- they find out that you're a replicant, and you don't even know. And you don't know. No, well, you you know at some point because then you can do the things like I'm talking about, like swapping well, out your eyes and you stuff. No, what would be fun is if you find out first, right. and then you start off. So you start off being like a guy, right, doing his job, and then it comes to like, oh wait, I'm 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 a replicant. Like you, like maybe you cut your hand or something, and you realize you're not actually bleeding. Well, that would be kind of hard to hide because everyone cuts themselves every now and again. It would have to be something more literal. Something, because, like, if he was, I don't know, a really well-disguised replicant, some sort of experiment to hide a replicant. No, no, I mean, like, he, like, slices his arm wide open and realizes that it's not. Okay, I guess we could do something like that. I kind of like the whole total reversal thing. I do, too, but, I mean, the the only reason I, I I like, I like the total reversal. I think they would, at some point, it's, it's two different games. The reason that I'm sort of married to... Like, I, I see where you're going. The reason I'm married to mine is because you started talking about things like replacing your eyes. Uh-huh. Um, and I like the idea of just, at any time, you could swap your fingerprints for somebody else's. Or, I mean, if you're going to do it the human route, the reverse would, would work. And you find out that you're human. And then you have this, like, thing that you carry with you. Like a little PDA type thing that allows you to do things like hack any terminal you come across. Or see things. Or give you... You know, where you have all that money on it that you can do magical things with. At some point, you know, it's it's the Arthur C. Clarke's law that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Correct. Um, I think that's a, a good... I think that's idea. a good wrapping up point. So mm-hmm. with that, we will move on to the mouthwash. Mouthwash. Let's try that again. Welcome back to the mouthwash. <laughs> no, let's try that again. Welcome back to the mouthwash. Welcome now, to Jersey Shore. Welcome to Jer- Jersey Shore. I mean the mouthwash. So today we've got an empty slate, but we're going to talk about one game and one game alone. Yes, we're going back to the heady space days. Uh, I guess in honor of SpaceX um, successful. What are you talking, dude? Seriously, I don't like elongated muskrat. I wasn't talking about Elon Musk. Oh, okay. Regardless of what you think of the guy who presented it, SpaceX is actually a yeah. SpaceX is cool. Pretty cool thing. Back to what I was saying. In honor of the <laughs> successful launch of their heavy lifter, which put. Uh, here's something you'd be happy to get about. They put his personal car in space. Nice. It's going to Mars. So that he can catch up with it and drive it around? No, it's probably going to collide back with the Earth in about 18 billion years. Oh, okay. Um, well, so, if it lands on my house, I'm going to be mad. So, uh, actually, I was really pleased when I found out about this. They took a Tesla car and they put it in a transorbital maneuver so that it would reach out to where Mars is and then come back. Nice. But they overshot, and now it's going out beyond Mars by a few, I don't know, 100,000 miles, and oh, okay. then swinging back to Earth. But so basically what you're saying is that they would not be good at Kerbal Space Program. 
Well, they'd be no better than me. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, I guess we just wanted to go back and talk about Crippled Space Run. We talked about it a little bit here and there, yeah, um, and it, we wanted to revisit it and just talk about. Well, so, I, I, I have uh, one thing to say about Crippled Space Program. What's that? It, well, actually, it's more of a question. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why choose this goal? Uh, you know, why seventy-five years ago fly the Atlantic? Why climb the highest mountains? Why does Rice play Texas? Uh, we choose to go to the moon. Uh, we we choose to do go go to the moon in this decade and do all these other things, not because it is easy, but because they are hard. Yeah, I don't like quoting real people. Well, you're less cool. Nonsense. I actually got to read that uh, entire speech for a, a Toastmasters presentation once, and I had so much fun giving that speech. I'll bet you. That's did. the JFK at uh, Rice University is probably one of the mo- one of the say four or five most fun. Uh, oratorical uh, pieces you can give. So anyway, we, we're not talking about public speaking. Yeah, I don't know why you even went in this direction, but whatever. I don't have much to say. But... I, I have a lot to say. It actually starts with, uh, why do we choose to go to the moon? Because the thing that told me about, the, that actually sold me on Kerbal Space Program was watching the Idle Thumb Let's Play of it, like, what, six years ago now? Uh-huh. Well, I, I guess there's a lot of reasons why people play this game mm-hmm. and, and do that. And they differ a lot. Yes. I think uh, you might be more like the Beast guys in in uh, oh, the, the Giant, giant Beast bomb, stuff, yeah. The Giant Beast stuff. And that it's cool to strap a whole bunch of stuff onto a rocket body and just see how spectacularly you can make it explode. Uh, it, it actually isn't for me, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about why you play first. Because I, I have actually been thinking about this since I saw you put this topic down. I, I really like the uh, sense of accomplishment I get mm-hmm. when I set myself a goal, design something to meet that goal, mm-hmm. and then... Because there's a bit of a disparity between actually creating a craft and then flying the craft. Yes. And so, so you have those two stages where you have to make the craft to do what it is and plan it out. And there's some good tools as mods that help you do that. And then put the craft on the launching pad, push the space bar, and see how far you can get before something goes horribly wrong. And then that one time that you finally got the thing tuned to perfection, and you get all the way out to the moon, and then you land on the moon and it falls over, is the most exhilarating feeling you can ever get. I don't know. Actually, no, sorry, not exhilarating frustrating yeah i was gonna say i really i actually really hate it when uh, my thing tips over i think what it is for me is a similar idea but i really like i started playing the game because you really 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 pushed me to play that game you thought it was so cool and i remember the first eight ten hours i played that game very similar actually to the game trials i hated that could not stand it. Couldn't. How did you put eight to ten games into a game that you hated? Because I'm a stubborn piece of crap. Oh, okay. Um, I've put way more hours into games that I have disliked way more than Kerbal Space Program. Let's That's a funny thing. I- I'm just going to put this out here. It's kind of like an aside. Because uh, this is Tangent Town, and, and we're just going to let that go. Um, you have this habit, I think, of putting more time into games you hate than you do into games you love. You'll play a game like, this is the greatest game ever. You'll put three hours into it, put it down, and then you'll pick up something that requires you to stick, I don't know, forks in your eyes in real life. Who's that like, by? I don't know. <laughs> I'll look it up for you. I think it's called iFork or something. Uh, I thought like it was that. the sequel to Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... I, I, I am a stubborn individual, and I, I am well aware of that failing, 
Uh, and, and it is both a good thing and a bad thing, and, you well, know, in equal measure. I, I agree with that. It doesn't happen with games for me, as no. much as it's just, like, problems. What yeah. If, like, Kerbal Space Program will do this sometimes, where I'll just, like, have a rocket that's just, like, nearly there. Mm-hmm. And I know with a little fine-tuning, and I will go into the wee hours of the night just to get it just well, right. It, or programming's the same way. I've been no. up till 1 o'clock in the morning, which is late for me. Yeah. And I'll stay up past 1 to get uh, my code to execute. Well, right. Well, this is what I was going to say is there is a difference between saying this is obviously a bad game. There's no point in continuing to struggle against it. I could tell, you know, I've, I've played games where I can instantly just say this is not a game for me. This is not a game I like. This is not a game I want to like or care about. And I can walk away. But there are, ga- there are also games like Kerbal, like uh, that Bennett Foddy, uh, getting over it with Bennett Foddy, oh like Trials, like a few others where I'm like, okay, well, I can tell there's something good here. I can tell that this is a game that I, or, or uh, Europa Universalis 3 is a great example as well, where it's like, I can tell there's something here. A lot of people like this game. Luke likes this game, or the, the, the Three Moves Ahead guys like this game, and they really, really, really like this game. There should be something here for me if I can just figure it out. And Kerbal Space Program, it happens to be one of those games you figured out. And, and, and Kerbal Space Program is a game that I, that I figured out, and it's a lot of work, and it took me failing a lot and honestly it took a couple of patches like when i first started playing it it was just in a state where i really couldn't even figure out what i was doing that's true but it has come a long it, it has come, i mean the, the difference between kerbal space program now and kerbal space program when i first started playing that game is night and day and some of that is but it was like you know it was i saw you doing things and then i watched a couple other people play it and i was like and I, and I walked away for a while for for like a year and said, no, nah, I just can't do it. I can't figure out what I'm, I can't figure it out and I can't figure out what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, like it wasn't, you know, I think for me, that's where a lot of stubbornness is, is it's, if I could see what I'm doing wrong and I could see how I can get better, then I'm just can't stop. It's the same with programming. It's like, oh, I can see the solution. I don't know how to get to the solution, but I know there's a solution here. And Kerbal Space Program was the same way. It was like, I don't see the solution right now. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I just feel like I'm beating my head against a wall. I give up. And then I watched something. I don't know whether it was uh, a video. I don't know whether... Oh, I think that actually might have been when I watched the Idle Thumbs guys. Right. And I watched them fly to the moon. And it was, you know, and it had... I got to watch them do that. I got to watch them fail a few times and realized, oh, okay, I'm not the only person who's failing. This is just hard to do. And it's it's kind of part of the process, right? And and well, but it's not just that I'm an idiot and can't figure this out. No, this is it's hard for everybody. It's not just me. This is actually just a hard problem. And you know, they got to play music, and that was pretty cool. And I really wish that video was still up. Twitch has burned it um, because there was some really good stuff of him playing, and the timing on a couple of those were really awesome when he got to the chorus of. Uh, of uh, Space Oddity just as Nick, like, crashed into the moon and blew up. <laughs> that would have been which awesome. Was perfect timing. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was a good video. And after watching that, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel like I could figure it out now. Mm-hmm. And it still took me a lot of time. And it's still, I still walked away from it a couple of times and came back to it and walked away and came back to it. But eventually, I did manage to land a, a craft on the moon. I actually got actually I, I landed a craft on Minmus first, and then managed to land a craft on the moon. But I managed to land on both of them. <coughs> I think I actually managed to land a craft on Minmus like the day before you actually managed to, to do it too. Yeah. But you had already landed on the moon, so it was a little bit of a different thing. But um, 
you know, and at some point that actually became my motivation is I'm like, okay, well, Luke's gotten a ship into orbit. I've gotten a ship into orbit. Luke's orbited the moon. I've orbited the moon. It was sort of like a space race. Like, all right, Luke hasn't made it to Minmus. I'm going to make it to Minmus. I'm going to beat Luke to Minmus. I'm going to be the U.S. or Russia, one of them, and, and we're going to make it to the... And it wore, and I did. And I was very proud. I was very proud of myself. I'm um, proud of you, Josh. Thank you. Um, and you beat me to the moon. So you, I guess that makes you the U.S. So well, I, I think, actually, I wanted to talk about that. There's something different about us. We are, we are very different in yes. how we visualize I, I was going to talk about things. that, too. Because, like, with the way Kerbal Space Program is designed, it's yes. far more visual in how you handle things. Well, there's that. But I was also going to say that you are – you take a very taxological or a very scientific approach to it of – I'm going to take these numbers, like I, you know, I'm going to open the panel and I'm going to know, okay, I need this much Delta V to get from here to there, and I need this much Delta V to get from here to there, so I'm going to build this stage, so it is this much Delta V, and then I'm going to fly it very precisely, and I'm going to roll very cautiously, and I'm going to make sure that I have just the, just the precise amount of Delta V, or maybe a little bit extra, to offset my thrust weight ratio to make sure that I land there and make it back with just the amount of fuel I need. Whereas I don't look at any reference materials because for me, that is actually some of the enjoyment. And it does feel... That actually is what I was thinking. If there was... If you had... And you probably should. Yeah. If you were to get yourself the formula and there's like some formula calculators that right. you can get. Oh, yeah. And crunch the numbers yourself, I think that would make the game even well, better I, for I, you. Because then you would work out the math. You'd figure out what you need. And then you'd build it to spec. But it wouldn't be that you had the table of, of right. numbers already. You would do the, the extra bit of number well, I, myself. I, I, I could do that. I actually, I'm not a huge fan of math, but, uh, but I, like I, I use Kerbal engineer at this point. I use, I use K E R. Um, and so I, I, I have over the years started looking at things like thrust to weight ratio and drag and, and doing some of the numbers myself. And I don't have an issue with it now, but I wanted, I wanted to land on the moon under my own power. I didn't care if I made it. There was 700 times more fuel than I needed. <laughs> I wanted to figure out the moon by myself because for me, that was what the, when I started, that was the goal of the game for me. That was how I would quote unquote beat the game was if I can land on the moon, I've and, and get back, I've beaten the game. Now, obviously as I've continued playing, I've realized, no, that's, that's just literally just the beginning. That is like once you can do that, then the entire rest of the game actually opens up. Mm -hmm. But at the time, for me, like that was what I wanted to do, and I didn't want to look at health. I wanted to figure out this thing by myself, and eventually I did. And yes, I <laughs> I wound up landing on the moon with the ascent with, with with the equivalent of an actual Saturn V rocket. And I don't mean the final part of a Saturn V rocket. I mean I actually landed an entire Saturn V rocket on the moon. Like a giant or like 340 liters now, of fuel. Now, see, uh, at one point uh, when I had to reinstall Kerbal Space Program, because as it is an actively developed game, there are mm -hmm. times when you have to start from scratch. And I should say, speaking of active development, we are not going to be talking about squad or any of the things related to squad. We uh, we know some of that issue and why that that's a little controversial, but uh, we don't really want to talk about that. No, 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 no. We could still enjoy the game. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. continue. The game is good. Um, what was I? Um, uh, at, at one point, I actually did make it to the moon and back. Yep. As you did. 
but that was way later. Yes. And that was with uh, an understanding of what you get out of the engines and the fuel tanks that you have. So yep. mine was still very efficient yep. because I had done it a few times. Exactly. So, I mean, our, our entire approach to that. That's funny, though, because usually when I play a game, mm-hmm. or as an example, the way I code mm-hmm. is very much like that, whereas you are doing it the other way. You're using a lot of reference materials with your program. You're going through tutorials and you're learning it. Mm-hmm. Well, you could say the right way. Right. And I am taking the hard path. Well, and I'm trying to teach myself every little nuance to build a game from the ground up without doing any tutorials. Well, it, a- actually, you're right, but you're actually not far off in in. You are right about the fact that they it seems different on the surface, but it actually isn't. And here, and I'm gonna I'm actually gonna blow your mind with this. Hopefully, oh, let's see. Um, I that will, yeah. so no because because for, for because for you the thing that you like to do, whether it be coding or whether it be Kerbal, is you want to find the solution to the problem you currently have. Uh huh. So when you want to figure out how to get to the moon, you go out and say, okay, how do I get to the moon? Then it's like, okay, how do I get to Minmus? Okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? And you start slowly filling in the things that you need to know. Whereas when I'm programming or when I was learning how to fly to the moon, I started with, okay, here's a rocket. Here's what this rocket does. Here's what this rocket does. Here's what this rocket does. Oh, if I put these four rockets together and fly them, this happens. So I'm starting from the basis of general principles of rocketry and eventually narrowing it down and narrowing it down and narrowing it down to just the things that I actually need. It's starting with this broad understanding of how the whole thing works of my entire toolbox. And then I can pick out the tools I need. Whereas you start with, how do I use this tool? How do I use this tool? How do I use this tool? Yeah, that's true. Or, or how do I make this thing? How do I make this thing? Um, So you were like, well, how do I make a rocket to get to Minimus? How do I make a rocket to get to the moon? Whereas I was like, all right, well, I know that if I put this rocket and this rocket together, I can fly it. And if I put this rocket together and this rocket together, I can't fly it because it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. Or if I put these three rockets together, I can't fly them because they're aerodynamically awkward and I can't get them off the planet because I can't turn the rocket without the rocket so exploding. That, that essentially <coughs> equated to you saying, okay, well, I need to get to the moon eventually. So right. I'm going to keep trying and erring, error, erroring until I get... Uh, get myself to some semblance of efficiency Correct. to get to the moon. Whereas I go, I want to go to the moon. What am I going to need? Well, it's this far away, so I'm going to need so much fuel. What kind right. of fuel am I going to need? Let's ask the guy over there. Hey, do you know how much fuel I'm going to need? Oh, yeah, you're going to need that kind of fuel. Okay, so now i got to build a rocket that can carry this much fuel and has that much power. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, and put it all together. So I try to I try to work out what I need you, and then build a rocket. You, you build a bunch of rockets to figure out what right. does what. You, sol- you solve – you look for what you need to solve the problem you are facing. I look for what I need to understand the problems that I will be encountering. Um, That's true. Essentially. Which, you know, is is both, you know, there are ways that is more efficient, there are ways that is less efficient. I mean, in your case, it saves you a bunch of time from having to do a bunch of research for things that are never going to affect you. Whereas in my case, when I come across something I'm not used to, that I don't expect, I have this other You've experience that I, can, box that, right, can that I can draw from. from. So... And with the moon, that's a lot. That, and with Kerbal, that's actually a lot of what th- that game is about: is you know experimentation and 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 finding things. Like I actually, the first time I made it to the moon, 
and like even just recounting this, I could just imagine, you know, I, I could re- remember your face when I showed this to you. I flew a rocket ship that was basically five giant 200 liters. No, whatever the biggest red tank holds, 800 liters, I think. Uh, 2,000. 2,000 liters. So I flew 10, tw- I flew 12,000 liters of fuel into orbit so that I could get to the moon. And that was how I finally managed to make it to the moon. Um, now, is that efficient? Heck no. That's, what, four uh, four space shuttles worth of fuel, basically? Um, yes, with the understanding that... That's the, basically four Apollo 13s. That's, that's four space shuttles um, on a world that's a tenth the size. Mm-hmm. So that's like overkill well, to the... That's 40 times what you needed. I mean, I mean technically... Technically, the tanks, I think the tanks are also smaller. And I made it to the moon, and I made it to the moon with so much extra fuel that I literally was landing basically a skyscraper um, (laughs) and trying to keep it stabilized and did not. Uh, I also learned on that uh, occasion that um, if you drag your space, if you drag your fuel tank across the moon, it will explode. And that explosion, if you manage to hit the. uh, whatever the th- if you manage to hit your decoupler at just the right moment, you can actually use that to basically sling your sh- slingshot yourself off of Minmus. Not something I would recommend anybody ever try. Um, but I there are but the thing is like along the way, and this is this is what I both love about Kerbal and kind of hate about Kerbal, and really wish there was more to it. Uh, and this is actually something I've been thinking about a lot uh, today is. My biggest issue with Kerbal is that there really aren't that many goals, you know, or or there aren't that many milestones. Like the first time that you get off of the planet is amazing. Yes. And the first time that you manage to make it into orbit is amazing. You like, what did I say? It's fuel capacity was uh, 2000 liters, 2880 with 3500 units of oxidizer. Is that's, that's the actual Kerbal one. That's the Kerbal tank. Okay. What's the real one? The the actual space shuttle mm-hmm. holds. Oh, crud. So 2,880. So let's just say 3,000. 1,359,000 pounds. Or 143,000 gallons of liquid oxygen and 383,000 gallons of liquid hydrogen. That's the external tank. 383,000 gallons in liters. Uh, yeah. Liters. All of the fuel combined it has a total weight of 4.4 <clears throat> million pounds. But that's like that. That's that's that's, that's, that's actually still seven times of the Kerbal tank. So, so wait. Uh, well, seven times. Seven times larger than a Kerbal, than one tank of Kerbal so fuel. So technically speaking. So I launched the an entire spaceship. 60, the, the Jumbo 64 fuel tank, the yes. orange tank, is... Around to scale, yeah. Rel- with the relative scaling of the aim, the same size as the external fuel tank in the space shuttle. Yes. So I basically launched seven of those into space. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, or six. Yeah, seven of those into space. Um, and and uh, hey, at least I at least I asparagus staged them correctly. <laughs> Oh, the fun I've had with asparagus stage. Actually, at one point I wound up with a triple asparagus or a triple stage, so it wound up with three tanks dropping off at a time. But then I had to calculate that properly because the f- the force was causing it to lean in the wrong direction. It shouldn't. 
Because if you have them, if you have three and three, yep. you drop one set to the, the it should balance. Yes, because but but I but I have but you have to put the two on the top. No, you don't. Think about it when you like draw it out. Okay. If you have three thrusters, yes, equidistant from each other, yes, the two on one side are offset by the central location of the one on the far side. There's no way that the other two can overpower them because of where they're positioned. They do not have each of them has the same leverage as the one on the other because the one the one on the other end is positioned with maximum leverage. Yes, but they have twice as much thrust. No, they don't. Not really. <laughs> they they just don't because each one is 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 fighting against the other two. But on but this one has this one has this, these have more weight or, or these have less weight and this one has no, more. No, it doesn't. That it's they're equidistant from each other. Yes, on but a they're circle. feeding into the single one. They're all feeding into that one. Yeah, with the central. Which means that no, they're all feeding to the one on the bottom. I was I was feeding them out to the one on the bottom and then feeding into the central tank. Oh well, yeah, that will definitely cause a tip. Yeah, because then that one is heavier than the right, other. Right, that's what I was doing. Okay, well that's a problem right there. You're supposed to feed them into the central tank. No, I want. I was trying to do that because <sighs> I was basically using it to manually roll the spaceship to automatically roll the spaceship okay towards all right well that explains a lot i was rolling the spaceship along the axis to automatically do the gravity turn okay and then dropping off the two outer tanks so that it would go so that just the bottom tank was pulling it in okay it worked really well actually i was getting i was getting into uh i was getting into orbit with like significantly with like four thousand liters of fuel it was insane um okay I don't want to know about the solid rocket boosters. I want to know about the space shuttle itself. But the other thing is, uh, but so the thing that frustrates me is there's not really anything between get into orbit and land on a planet or land on the moon and then land on a planet. Like there's basically nine destinations mm-hmm. or, or 11 destinations. Like, I'd really like for there to be things... Like, this has been my problem with the career mode all along, is you can either play sandbox and do kind of whatever the heck you want to do, or you could play career mode and have challenges given to you, but mo- but then it also locks your technology, it locks your skill, it locks your stuff, it locks you out of certain things that I find kind of useful to have in the main game. And a lot of those challenges just aren't all that exciting. Like, I don't really want to necessarily have to take measurements over certain coordinates on the globe. But you know what I would like to do is have other things to fly to or have to set up a satellite grid or, you know, have to they, put together a space, a space station. They, they, have, they actually have extensions to the basic mods. Yeah, uh, but the basic they're all mission. mod stuff. No, well, not Alone. no, not really. There, there are actually mods that are specifically to expand. I mean, they have ones that make. I, I believe in the main game now. You can. They have ones that require you to build a space station. Right, right, but they're but they're mods. No, they're. I believe they're in the oh, main I game not, too. But but they're. But I they're, could be wrong. But again, I mean, my game is heavily modded, so I wouldn't be hundred percent. I'm sure. pretty. I'm pretty sure all the ones that I have were were from mods. Um, including ones that were land certain things on planets or drop cargo. Definitely, I I will say that the Kerbal Space Program is the type of game that that is good on its own, but definitely benefits from mods. It it benefits from mods, but what I'd really like is something... Like, what I want is a sandbox mode with more goals, where Mm -hmm. I have all of the access to all of the parts and all of the tools, 
but they, I still need to do things like set up sp- satellites. Like, I mean, they, they do in the, in the, in the, in the career mode now have things like set up certain satellites and, 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 and scan for certain things. Although even some of those are mods, but I really want, I really just want more goals and I want more things that make me feel like I have a reason to do things beyond just, you mm. know, Oh, fly up, land up. Cause it's like, I can build science labs in the, in the sandbox and I can land them on the moon, but they don't do anything. Cause you don't need science in the, in the sandbox mode. Um, and if you, and playing it in science, for some reason, playing it in science mode just feels like the worst of both worlds. It should feel like the best of both worlds for me, but it feels like the worst of both worlds because all the parts are still locked out. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to but, get out there to unlock. But what parts. I, but like, I want my, like, I want my ability to make waypoints and I want my ability to use in science mode. You shouldn't have that problem because uh, all of the, vi- the, the buildings should be unlocked. Oh, I, okay. Maybe they are. I thought I didn't have waypoints. I thought waypoints were one of the uh, things no, you unlocked. Uh, waypoints come with um, the science. Uh, the the what's that? The centers. The satellite dish when you upgrade. Oh, that. I thought it was. Re- See, I thought it was related to the SAS module. No. Oh, okay. That's built into. You just have to unlock. Maybe they the right changed that. At one point, it was built into the SAS module. Uh, years and years ago. I don't believe so. I think years and years ago it was just there. You couldn't oh, okay. you couldn't lose it, and then they built it. When they when they added the extra buildings, it became uh, uh, an unlock. With I one of the swear, buildings. at one point career at one point SAS in the career mode or, or the advanced SAS stuff unlocked RCS and. Uh, I think what points. you're thinking of is what what it at one point it did uh, before the Kerbals had the functionality was the advanced SAS allowed you to lock the the vehicle on ro- retrograde. Oh yeah, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that is what it was, and um, yeah, it was that and the uh, the RCS, mm-hmm. um, which both both of which are really handy to have. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, but even, even still, it's just like landing things on, like, also like I got really frustrated when I managed to fly an entire lab all the way out to the moon and landed on the moon and then found out that, oh, by the way, that's not the part that you need to attach to it. You actually need some completely other part. Like it won't even work on the moon unless you have this other thing attached to it. What, what's that? Uh, the science lab. Oh, like the mobile science lab, like you can't just land it oh. on the moon and fly back. Like you have to have a rocket ship attached to it or something. No, no. So the the way the mobile science lab, what the mobile science lab is there for, is it it's used to process information from the science doohickeys, the, right. the science juniors. So you you well, gather, there's one that people live on. Yeah, that well, no, the space center. You have to have you have to have scientists in it for it to do. Right, anything. right. I did that, and the location doesn't. Really oh matter. no, I remember what it was. I had put a habitat module and a science lab together. So uh-huh. the, they could fly up in the multiple in the they f- or not the habitat module. Yeah, I put a habitat module, a science lab, and then a passenger c- container together. Mm-hmm. You can't transfer them from the passenger container into the science lab, and they can't get out of the passenger container. They have to get. They can only get out of the passenger container through the through the si- through the main uh, exit. Oh, okay. So they so they weren't able to get into your science lab, right? So I just stranded two guys up there who can't. They can't even get out. Well, I think part of the problem with that it might be that the connecting object, if you used a, st- a metal strut, yeah, Krebels can't go through. No, there, there, there's no metal strut. I, I I attached them directly together. Yeah, but did you stretch? Did you connect them through an actual like? Yeah, like point? it's 
its ha- its um habitat module or its passenger container habitat module science lab altogether. Then they should be able. They, 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 they for some reason they can't transfer into the habitat module. They could do it in directly into the science lab, but not into the habitat module. That's strange. Which I think it's because the habitat module might be a mod piece, but um, it might be, and maybe the mod doesn't support through. But it, yeah, but it was, or or I or I screwed something up at the base. But it was one of those like it took me it took me four and a half hours did to you, get this up there. Did you put a decoupler between them? I don't think so. Because that might be do it, or or like a certain or, certain certain objects. No, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be a deco- there was a decoupler after it, um, to so I could decouple it from the rocket, but there wasn't a decoupler between any of those three pieces. Huh. Um, I know there's certain there's certain settings in the settings that yeah. will make it so that certain objects restrict movement of cables. Yep. So you might have had something on that was it's, getting in the it's way possible, but but either way, it's like it took me four hours of of playtime to land that there. And then I get it up there, and none of it works. And it's just like, and that was that was the last time I played Kerbal because I was just so frustrated after that. And I'm just like, mm. I could see like, that being I've, frustrating. I've killed like these these three Kerbals might as well be dead because I like I can't get them out, and I can't use any of them. Right. Um. And it was just like, like that's sort of the stuff I want. Is I want that sort of in the middle piece. I want that ability to. Like, you can't revert after that point because you've already started decoupling things. Um, just some of that sort of ability to fix some things, to revert some things, to... You know, the little stuff for when things actually break and there's nothing you can do about it. Or you shouldn't necessarily be expected to know this stuff. Mm. What are you reading? I'm sorry, I'm reading stuff about uh, the space shuttle. I was trying oh, okay. to find... I was trying to figure out how much fuel the space shuttle itself carries... But all they ever seem to tell you is how much the actual external tank carries. I don't think the I don't think the actual space shuttle carries all that much. How would it get back once it got into orbit? Well, I mean, it carries enough to to how much? Not a lot. Five gallons? Fifty gallons? How much? I, I believe I believe according to Scott Manley, it's it's something like it's something like fifty or hundred gallons. It's not much. Um, it's and it's all and it's not and it's not even rocket fuel. It's jet fuel because well, they are basically. I mean, they're basically falling out of orbit. I don't think it's jet fuel because you would need oxygen. Well, I, okay. The way, the way he was talking, it made it sound like they actually don't do much flying out of atmosphere. Somehow they have a way of not, I don't remember. There was, well, it a might lot be of like a monopropellant system. A lot of the, I know they have a monoprop system. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's all RCS thrusters. Okay. Um, and then basically they do a bunch of air braking to, to land. Yeah, I'm sure what they just do is, is a very slight to orbit board because the shuttle technically can't can't really get very far out of orbit. Right, and it also can't get hot. It doesn't have heat shielding in the same way. The shuttle does on the body. It, it, it has some, but it does not have the, the 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 amount of heat shield that like a rocket ship does. It, that's why it has to do all that air braking. It actually has to come in very very slowly. Well, of of course it does. It's a gigantic like it basically wind. leans up on its side and and breaks like that. I watched him do it. It was pretty crazy. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I will say. Speaking of which, you, you sh- people who are listening and haven't watched a bunch of Kerbal should totally check out Scott Manley because he does some of the best stuff about both learning how to and just sort of watching him do stuff. He he teaches a lot. He's he's a former ast- or a former astrophysics student who I think now works in meteorology. Something to do with I think he's an engineer. He's he's a programming engineer, but I think he has something to do. At one point, he had something to do with meteorology. Uh, I think now he's just solely working for like Apple or Google or something. Um, and yeah, he's does, 
he does some very good explanations of how uh, a lot of that stuff works and why a lot of that stuff works. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was very, it's been very, I watched, I've watched some of his videos. I haven't watched all the way through his series because they're very long. Yeah, they are, but they're interesting. They're very interesting. Um, But yeah, I, I think for me, like that is the thing that I most want is that sort of, I want a sandbox mode with more goals, like middle tier goals of things like, setting up satellite you know what i want is i want it but i don't want it to be for unlocking things i want it to be for actually learning more about the world like not knowing where any of the planets are until i set up a satellite network not knowing what's on any of the planets until i do things like setting up science network i think the integration of scansat in the Mm. game would be great i just make scansat is one of the best mods it is it's great and i think they should uh, they kind of did a partial integration, but yeah. they need to do more. Like, I, I think for me, like, that's that's a lot of the stuff. Like, put satellites around Duna and then observe Duna so that you can plot where you actually want to land. Mm-hmm. And, and be able to, like, that kind of stuff is interesting. Or, you know, have reasons to make space stations. Have reason to rendezvous with comets. Have reasons to do, like, the best and worst part about sandbox mode is the best and worst part of all sandbox modes, which is... It gives you the freedom to do everything you want, but it doesn't really give you any reason to do any of them. In fact, there, in, for some of them, there's actually no reason to do. I them. think I think uh, Kerbal Space Program has an advantage there, uh, only that to get further into the game to explore some of the other planets, you actually do have to put a little more effort, or at least, for like sure. say, putting together a fuel depot in orbit of Kerbin is a major advantage if you want to go to ELO because then sure. you can get your major ship body up into orbit. You dock in the fuel station, you refuel, and that's that. all that fuel you refueled is fuel you don't have to bring up with your initial craft. Except, of course, the problem then is you A, have to be able to be good enough to get that fuel into orbit. You have to be able to refuel if, that. If, if you're capable of doing a precise, well, a pretty good and an efficient interorbital burn from one planet to another, yeah. you can dock a ship to a station. If you haven't gotten good enough to dock a ship to a station, you should not be trying to get to another planet yet. I've made it I've made it in orbit around more planets than I have performed successful dockings. I am impressed. Um, because the thing is, if you have enough fuel, you could do anything in space. No, that's true. But, I mean, I, I, ha- I have successfully docked things a couple of times, although I have successfully docked things backwards a couple of times. But also just docking is a pain. Uh, I find docking really challenging, especially with the waypoints, because it's still hard to get with... The waypoints sometimes still freak out. Like, that is... I would love the waypoints to actually be 100% accurate, but there are definitely times where... They are much improved. They are much improved, I'm not going to lie, but there are definitely still times where I have tried to make a small adjustment and just somehow wound up going all... Trying to tell my craft to go all the way around, you know, where it's... The waypoint's like, oh yeah, if you want to... um, Go from 200,000 meters around, away from Kerbin to 300,000 meters, uh, you're going to have to go around ELO twice, and then you can do it. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that's just a bug. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's just a bug. Also, I will say, I have done numerous, numerous, numerous uh, orbitings of the sun. Oh, I've blown up stuff in the... Uh, well, you can't get too close to the sun. No, I mean, like, I've just skipped out of Kerbin orbit by mistake. and just wound up orbiting the sun. Um, oh, that happens. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I definitely wound up with something that basically wound up with a with a, with a uh, comet orbit. And at some point, when I'm good, you know, it's it's goes down to the sun, 
flies all the way back out past Elo, flies back down into the sun. It'll rendezvous, I think it rendezvous with Kerbin once every 42,000 years. As long as you don't get within, I think, 800,000 kilometers of the sun, you're fine. Yeah, but trying to figure out how to rescue this guy is going to be interesting, because by the time I have a chance to even rescue him, he's going to be 42,000 years old. It is a good thing the Kerbals don't die. Yeah, yeah. Kerbals are long-living, very robust creatures. Unless you put in the mod. The one mod that I have not had the nerve to try, and that I want to try, but I don't really want to try, is the one that puts in, like, life-sustained stuff, like, life-support stuff. Oh, yeah. So, okay, I think to finish this up, we're going to talk about some of the mods that we like. I, I don't actually know thing. that I remember all of my mods. I'll pull, uh, up, I'll pull uh, up C-Can while you're doing that. Okay, yeah, I'll talk about the ones that I can remember off the top of my head. So there's the ones that I have that I use a lot. There's some good building mods out there, There's a, which I can't think. Uh, Bison, I know, is a good one, although that one I don't actually have right now. I'm not sure There's a base mod that I use. I think it's just called, like, uh, base mods. So um, that one's really good because uh, it has a bunch of base building um, modules that you can actually land on other planets. Uh, it can be a little awkward because they're not exactly shuttle-shaped or ship-shaped, but I've gotten a station that was made out of those mods to the moon, and it was very successful. Uh, and the pieces are really nice looking, and they, they add an extra flavor. Uh, on that vein, KIS and KAS, Kerbal Inventory System and Kerbal Attachment System yes. are two fantastic mods. Uh, the inventory system gives you the ability to have boxes with things in them. You can store parts in the containers, small parts, like um, and, and you also get some inventory pieces like a hammer and uh, a wrench. I think that's actually part of the attachment one. So the attachment yes. one is great because that allows you to build things on the fly outside of the VAB and the SPH. What is the VAB and what is an SPH? Uh, the Vehicle Assembly Building okay. and the Space Plane Hangar. Good. That's Those are probably things that people would want to know. Uh, maybe. Who cares? Uh, so those are great. So those two are really good. Um, the SatNav uh, ScanSat oh, is, yes. is a great mod. It gives you some parts that allow, that allow the ability to scan uh, planets and moons. Yeah, scan sounds great. It's different from the satellite uh, mods uh, that have been added to the game recently in that you actually get to build maps of progressively higher detail depending on the scanner yep. scanner equipment that you use. Uh, or which, how close you get to the, to the planet. <laughs> well, no, no. Or is that not is that or that does not get modified. It's it's literally the resolution is whatever the scansat uh, component uh. is. The closer you are, actually, the worse. You want to be as far as you safely can because the scanning beam is wider and you can cover more of the planet at any given point. Ah, I gotcha. So uh, the great thing about that though is scansat also comes with some extra mods that use the scansat. You can also attach those to your mod set which we recommend secant to install secant secant is the most useful thing which is the uh something kerbal attachment network or something like that uh it what is that uh, whatever it's a it's a repository of mods that allow you to install mods for your for your for the game yep. it handles it for you it's a mod manager it's really good it allows you to see what is available for your current version of kerbal space program yeah so back to scansat Comprehensive Knowledge Archive Network. Ah, perfect. So, back to ScanSat. Uh, you can scan planets. Then you have a false color map of the planet, which you can use to identify good places to land. 
craft. Uh, and you can also identify where uh, points of interest are, including some of the Easter eggs that the, the devs have made. I yep. uh, also want to shout out to Copernicus. And there's some other, uh, there's a real scale mod that both of these. I don't like that one very much. Both of those mods are great if you like uh, a more uh, aggressive yeah. uh, place to explore. Copernicus adds several planets that actually rebuilds the entire solar system, yeah. I believe. I, I, I did manage to park a satellite like 1,300 meters off of uh, Minmus, which was pretty awesome. Fancy. Not helpful, apparently. But uh, yeah, that was super fun. was just like... All right, I'm basically touching the lo- the nearest mountain. Let's drop a satellite right here. Also, something I have learned with ScanSat mm-hmm. is uh, don't use. Um, I always get them backwards. It's decouplers, and what's the other one? Uh, there's the decouplers, and then there's the I don't even know. Starts with a C. Yeah, they're they're. Um, I know what you're talking about. So one of them basically goes pop, and the other one just sort of lets go. Use the one that just lets go. Oh, usually you can see what, how much force they use when they decouple. Yeah, so uh, apparently if you do that with just with enough force, you could actually um, throw a satellite way off base. Also, I Especially like, when they're nice and light. Yeah, yeah also I like, I like putting little Xenon tanks onto my satellite so I can make sure I have them exactly where I want them. Um, except then you also have to remember to make sure that you put on... An ion engine. Or a core. Uh, a cybernetics core because otherwise they won't do anything. Oh yeah, well yeah, you need to have some sort of means of controlling them yes. regardless. Um, so I have. Oh, first of all, I should say I have the. Okay, this thing is freaking out anytime I click on a mod. Um, I have the astronomer's visual pack, which I think is awesome. This the one thing that Kerbal really needs, and and I'm glad that I have is like the ability to make it look nicer because. There's not a lot to see, but when you are seeing things, you want them to look the coolest they can because yeah. it's you're flying in space. It should look properly spacey. Mm-hmm. I have a um, uh, real shine or something like that, which uh, yeah, I have. Pl- I think I have pl- planet uh, shine, planet, planet shine, shine, and I have, or no, I have scatterer instead, which is basically the scatterer. same thing. Scatterer, no, you're right. Um, planet shine, I think, didn't really work. <laughs> I think I don't think they updated it for the later versions. Oh no, planet shine is the one that actually is really good because it, it casts light from uh, yes. other bodies. I yep. do. I have both. I don't. I can't get that one. That one doesn't like me. So I have the uh, the that one. I have the B nine parts, which I think is really good. That's basically just some uh, actual parts. parts. Yep, that's a good one. Uh, Historical parts. Uh, X science is great, which basically just keeps track of the experiments you've created. Mm-hmm. Super awesome. Uh, let's see what else do we have. Uh, a bunch of. I do have a couple of different tech trees um, for the main thing. I have a bunch of container. Pa- uh, a couple of container mods, which is similar to your mod about the external stuff, but yep. basically it just adds more containers. I like containers. I like putting things in containers. Uh, I have. He set- likes putting things into other things and I then have- throwing them into orbit. I have a half dozen new contract mods. I have D-Magic Orbital Science, which is a bunch of extra science parts because I mm-hmm. like science. Uh, you know, it added it adds like uh, a Geiger counter and a few other cool things. Um, Fancy. I think there was one to check for water, except that may be in the base game. I, can't, I actually don't remember anymore which is which. Uh, easy Vehicle Switch, which actually doesn't seem to work very well. Uh, oh. Very important, uh, uh, Ferrum Aerospace Research, which basically changes the aerodynamic model. Oh, if you're having trouble with aerodynamics, that's your problem. Actually. I, I actually, I actually like, so, I actually like the far model better. So uh, this is this is the thing about far. Yes. Uh, originally, 
there was a time when Kerbal Space Program's aerodynamics model was practically non-existent. You were flying through soup. You no, not even. You're you're flying through something that like to pretend it was air. Yeah. It wasn't very good. Then so far created a mod, Feral Aerospace, whatever. It adds a bunch of hypersonic parts yep. to your to your thing, but it also built an aerodynamic model model that was really, really good. Yep. But hard. Uh, in an encouraging sort of way. Yep. Then Kerbal Space Program put together a new aero aerodynamics module, uh an aerodynamics system into their game later on, which was good yep. and effective and far kind of became the hard mode. Yeah. Well, it's they actually- very challenging. And it also added, I think it adds by default, uh, the, the ability for parts to be destroyed by shearing forces of atmosphere. Yes. Which is cool yeah. because uh, there's a there's a specific um, Scott Manley video I remember when he was using FAR yep. after the mod and he was taking off with a hypersonic jet and the whole thing just folded into itself. Well, I, it was amazing. I, I think they've actually added the shearing force back into the main game. Have they? I thought they had. I hadn't seen it, but maybe I haven't been playing with um, it. I also have Final Frontier, which is a little stupid thing, but I kind of like it, which is basically, for role-playing purposes, it, lets, it gives medals to your Kerbals who have done cool things. Oh, that's neat. Um, it's 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 That's one of those like mini-goal things that I was talking about that I really like. Uh-huh. Um, little things to add some flavor to Little things game. to add a little bit of flavor. Um, Kerbal Engineer, obviously, is a super important one. That's the one that allows you to calculate... Delta V and to yeah. plan your your rocket as you build it gives it. you a lot yeah it gives you a lot of stuff in real time. Uh, I also have Mech Jeb. I know a lot of people hate Mech Jeb. You could probably talk about the controversy around that. There's I don't a there's a love hate relationship with uh, Mech Jeb. Um, a lot of people believe that it's a it's a cheater's tool because yeah. essentially it allows you to plot out how you want your ship because it, it'll do all the math. So you could be like, I want to rendezvous. With this module out there, it'll yep. calculate burn time for you. It'll do everything. It'll it, put it's you in the right. You can you can position. set it to autopilot for you. Basically, it's it's a it's an autopilot. Now there is something similar to MechJeb. I don't think it is, which you actually have to do physical programming to yep. get the same result, which is there, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Uh, I don't use MechJeb myself because I I don't see the reason to do that when I can just. Manual because I will so say the waypoints nowadays the f- are pretty much the same thing. At well, this point. no, the waypoints allow you to see where you need to point your craft and right, but estimate I, burn times. Well, and you can have it point you directly to the no. waypoint you want. No, you can't. That's using the 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 pro grade the the, the things. And yeah, that, that requires a skilled pilot. Right. That's taking advantage of skill. Mechjeb just does it. You could have no, no, the I dumbest. Know. You could have a brick. you could have a scientist in there, or, or but I I don't use I don't use it for that part. I use it for the extended uh, te- telemetry type stuff. Right. But I mean, my feeling is there is not that much difference. You know, the people who make that distinction, but then use skilled pilots in all of their missions. There's really not that much of a distinction there between uh, saying Mechjeb does it all no. for you when you have the thing that will point you directly at the waypoint and. I mean, yes, there, but here, I mean, the reality of the situation is MechJeb is not going to be able to fly a craft that is unflyable. If you have built a bad craft, MechJeb isn't going no, to get that, into orbit. No, that's true. Like, at some point, it's, it well, is... I, th- but, this, so the thing about that is, especially in atmospheric flight, you kind of have to fly the craft yourself. Yes. In space, there's kind of like three types of people. Right. Uh, when, when you're doing anything. There's people, there's people like you who, who, like... Don't care. It's like if I want to use Mech Jeb, I'll use Mech Jeb. Right. Whatever. There's people like me who are kind of like in between. 
I don't care. I'd use Manic Jab, but I prefer I prefer the freedom of, of picking my node and yeah. manually keeping it in place. Yep. Um, and then there's people who think it's cheating. Yeah. I, I think that there are extremes of, of all three. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. For, for me, it's very much a, if I, if I have proven that I can do it, like the first time I do something, I will but do it manually. That's but, kind of, that's yeah. kind of the point of the, the experienced pilots Yes, is to get an experienced pilot. You have to have done something with them before, but in sandbox mode, you don't need the experienced pilots. Well, that's true, but I don't play sandbox. Well, I do so a lot. But what, what I'm saying is there are there are people who will say that, but then use sandbox mode where it will do that for you. So at some point, it's like a lot of those people, it's basically just, well, I think I, I didn't th- autopilot. No, see, the, the problem you're having there is the people who, who play like that with yeah. that whole mech jeb is cheating don't play sandbox mode. Or when they do play sandbox mode, they're not playing sandbox mode. As a game, they're playing it as a sandbox. I don't know. I, I've, I've definitely, I have definitely seen some of them who are just play, who just play sandbox mode and don't play career. I've seen this. If they're, if they're doing, if they're I mean, saying, I've seen this argument since before career if existed. If they're calling mech jeb cheating and then they play sandbox mode, they have no, they have no feet to stand right. on. There's well, no, there's no. It's, loop. it's, it's a lot. Of, it, it, it reminds me of the argument of people who say that using gambits in Final Fantasy XII is cheating because you don't have to stop and program in your actions. It's like, well, you can. It just takes more time. It's not actually easier and that's sort of my feeling about mac jam it's like i don't necessarily use it for the autopilot but i also don't think that like if you if you've shown you could do it once like i could if i could do it once i could do it 50 times so just let the computer do it for me the other 49 they're not it's not as efficient though it's not but i'm not that efficient no well i mean specifically Mech Jeb and also the experienced pilots have a yeah. habit of overcompensating and they use more RCS or solar yes. power no, to keep something on the mark than like I if I do it, I could just set it on there and I can do a sure, better job which, of keeping which, which it. to me actually means that it is not as cheating because it is actually a trade off. And it means that you know, and I'm also not a hundred percent efficient and I never have been, and I don't think most Unless you're Scott Manley, I don't think most people are a hundred percent efficient on this stuff. No. Um, so I, I think I think it is actually more. There are actually more trade offs on it now, but it, I think it's an interesting thing to discuss. Uh, my, I just it my, frustrates me. My problem with Mech Jab uh, boils down to I don't see the point of having it. No, that's fair. Because I don't. I don't uh, having something do the job for me. It's not why I play Kerbal Space. No, I know. Program. For- so that so it's not a matter of cheating to me. It's just if I'm going to play the game, I want to fly the ships myself. For 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 me, it's it, it is a lot of the oh, I need to get this thing into orbit and I need to make sure it gets up there perfectly, and I'm not necessarily sure I can pull it off 100 percent of the time. Like if I have to set up like three parts for a station, I want to make sure they're all getting up into the same general orbit. Yeah, I can see that, but that for me, I, for me, that's where a lot of it is. If I need something where I need a bunch of things and I need them consistently yeah. brought to the same place. Here, here's my problem here. What uh, when on one side you're saying that that, and then at the same time you're saying you're not finding enough, you're not finding enough challenges. That's the challenge. That's the challenge of consistently getting a rocket there yourself. Right, but but I don't fi- right, but I don't, and it's not. It's not. If I could do it once, I can do it fifty times. It's. If I do it once, let's see if I could do it again and again and right, again. Right, but okay, fine. Well, if I do it three times, I can do it 50 times. But, but it, uh, yeah, but no, but there there is a difference because, A, first of all, most of the times when I'm doing that kind of stuff, it's not stuff that's already in the game. It's, hey, I want to build my own space station, so I'm going to build a space station. But if I'm going to build a space station, I need all the stuff up there. So it's just easier to have them all up there in that area so that I can perform docking maneuvers. But also, the chances are that 
Like, yes, okay, I might not be able to do it every single time, but I can keep reverting and trying again, so at some point I'm going to get it up there. Yeah, but that's part of the fun for me. See, I don't find that part fun. I don't find I don't find getting out of or getting into orbit fun at all. I hate getting into orbit. That is my least favorite part of Kerbal Space Program. Everything after I'm in orbit is great, but it's just sitting there babysitting the W key for for six minutes and trying not to go between past past ninety or above forty five. It's just it, I just find it tedious, um, and I I like. If I could skip that part of Kerbal Space Program, I would probably like Kerbal Space Program a lot more. But for me, launching launching is always my least favorite part of Kerbal. Um, I will also say I have Carbonite, which is a pretty cool thing. It adds some... Uh, f- I have a bunch of fuel-based stuff, adding new fuels. Uh, Kerbal- I'm probably going to have to go through your list and see what I want to add to mine. Kerbal Atomics. Um, and then just, yeah, a bunch of uh, like near-future stuff. Uh, some module stuff. The near future stuff adds some pretty fun toys. Remote tech is great. Uh, oh, and one of the most important ones, if you're using FAR, is procedural fairings. Yeah, for extra durability, right? Well, no. it's You can make your own fairings. So it's not that they're extra durable. It's that you can make them into whatever shape you want them to be. You can uh, basically make your own fairings. So well, you can, actually, the, there's procedural fairings in the mo- main game, the vanilla now. There, there's only, but there's only like two, and the, this is like 20 of them. They also don't, they also, it's also a good, it's also another good uh, balance thing because procedural fairings don't connect to anything else. So you can't use a procedural fairing as like the middle of a craft. No, that's the way they are with the other ones. They don't have, you can't just oh, do okay. the middle of a craft. Which thing. I really wish you could because there are a couple times where I was like, you know, if I could put I this believe, in the middle. I believe, I thought procedural fairings had this, but there is a fairings mod that actually has centerpiece fairings. Yeah, like I may look into that at some point because there have been several times where I'm like, you know, I want to put this satellite in the middle so I can fly up, like drop you, the bottom, drop the satellite, fly home. Or or conceivably have like a string of satellites. You go to a planet and you drop five satellites in orbits. Well, I can in, do that too. I'm not orbits that Well at that point at that point you can put them on the side and fly them out. But they're uh, but with this, yeah, the one I was trying to fly off was uh yeah, ScanSat's good. Um there's some greenhouse stuff. I don't know why. Oh, real plane. That's one I wanted to mention. Ah, uh, yes. That's a fantastic mod. It's a very simple mod. All yep. it does is it swaps your rudder and your pitch and your yaw. Mm-hmm. When you're so that when you're flying a plane, uh, when you turn your stick, the ship the the plane rolls. When you're flying a rocket and you turn your stick, the pl- uh. the ship yaws. That way, there, um, they they both fly naturally the way you would expect when you're flying either a plane or a ship. Also, yeah. Oh, I also added a surface experiment pack, which gives you more reason to actually land your craft. Oh, and uh, better burn time. Uh, I don't have that one. Better burn time is fantastic. Oh no, I do have that one. Uh, it will. It does a few things. First of all, it it properly calculates burn time. Yeah, that's useful. In that, when you're whenever you fly uh, a maneuver, you you plot out the maneuver. It tells you how much burn time. Like it says, twenty seconds, right? Yep. And it tells you exactly when uh, you're going to hit the node. But when you hit the node. Technically speaking, you've missed the burn time because you should start the burn halfway back. So if you've got a 20 second burn and uh, you need to actually fire your engines 10 seconds before you hit the node so that it properly centers the burn. Right. Better burn time calculates that for you and it shows you a nifty little counter by your nav ball so that you know when to burn. Oh, see, I, I actually like that part. I like, uh, I actually liked having to figure that part out myself. I like, Oh, well, yeah, I, I used to do that, but after a while I got bored of that. And so I just, that, I used better, better bird time. That's cheating. Mm, don't you start. <laughs> 
I top like, of I, that, I it, like, will, it will tell you whenever you're approaching any planet, when you're about to hit the planet, how much time you have, and how much of a burn you need to stop the craft before you hit the I ground. think they, a lot of that's actually been integrated back into the core game, too. No, it's not. Um, well, it'll tell you if you're about to hit it. I'd love to see that. Or yeah, I've, I've I've definitely seen it happen. Um, I've hit the I've hit the moon too many times to know that that's not in the game. I think it was in one point seven, which is af- which is fairly recent. Um, uh, I don't even think I have one point seven. I I, I you must don't, say you won't make, your mods won't work with it. I, I must say I had my I had my mod set up at the time to uh, to play to stream, but now that I'm not streaming anymore, I probably I don't will. like the, yeah I don't like the fact. That, oh, and also I have all of the uh, USI stuff, which is a bunch of extra containers, a bunch of extra parts. Uh, a lot of like uh, I have a lot of basically I have a lot of stuff to add career uh, contracts. I have a lot of stuff to add science, and I have a lot of stuff to add new base building parts. So I guess the big take from all of this is that Kerbal Space Program is a fantastic game. It encourages you to. It's be an creative. okay game. Uh, it's a fantastic game, uh, but it does benefit from mods. I actually think that was that was something we should have got into is the fact that you like Ker- I respect Kerbal Space Program. I don't know that I like love it. And you love Kerbal Space Program. I absolutely adore yeah. this game. I, I think, think it's one of the best games out there, just because it encourages you to be creative. Yeah, I I think that Kerbal Space Program is a very good game. I I don't love it as much as you, and I don't think I ever will. And I think some of that is partially our play style, and some of that is just I don't know. After a while, it does reach a point where I'm just like, all right, I've done everything that I want to do. And I can restart and basically do all the same things over again. I, I will admit, that, so this is this is the thing about it. it. It is an open world game in the same vein of, or and not even open world. It's the type of game that um that challenges you to find things to entertain yourself yeah. with. It's sandboxy in that regard. I mean, it has a good campaign, but you still have to set yourself goals. Yes. Most of the time, the campaign will provide you with goals that you can work towards. But you still have to have the drive to do it. And if it's not something you're interested in, then you're yeah. not going to want to. I, I was going to say, it, it, it's a lot like Crusader Kings, where for a while I would go back to Crusader Kings and I'd be like, well, you know, I could try this new city, this new country over here that I've never played before. And that looks really cool. And then I'd be like, yeah, but you know what? Ireland's really fun and you could, and I could conquer all of the world if I, I could probably conquer all of the world this time if I play as Ireland. And I think Kerbal Space Program is like that. It's like, well, all right, I could theoretically, I guess, set up the space station and use that as a launching point to get from there to Duna. But let's go to the moon instead, because that's fun. Yeah, and and but and there's no real, re- you know, and there's no real reason to build the space station except for using it as a, like as a launching point. So yeah, it, 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 there is some of that sort of. At some point, it does start to feel a little repetitive. And again, I really, really, really hate takeoff. So at some point, like that's the part where I'm just like. Oh. All right, fine. Let's launch another ship. You should just use the cheat. I, I could. I do sometimes. A lot of times I don't because, like I said, at some point, I, I do feel like that's cheating, and I don't necessarily want to do that. I just find it tiresome. Especially, especially I would, when I, would, I have a ship that is extremely unbalanced. I would assume with far, you'd have so much difficulty getting some of these craft into space. I have a difficulty with some of them, but again, if you know, if I try it fifty times, one of them eventually I will get lucky. You really need to play the campaign and turn off the auto, auto re- revert, and see how far you get. I've done that. I mean, I've I've made it to the moon doing that. 
Okay. Well, anyway, this is what I think where we're going to wrap it up. If yeah. you have any questions, thoughts, or pitch ideas, please send them to us at spitball.sessions at gmail.com. You can check out our writing and other articles at spitballsessions.com. Uh, you can find me at um, at the Drell on on YouTube. On I'm usually on Twitter. You can also find my uh, you can find my friend uh, Josh at twitch.tv slash k o h o l o s or at Koholos on YouTube. Um, kind so, of. kind of, yeah. Uh, so thank you all for listening to uh, Spitball se- Sessions, and uh, tune in next time. Till then, keep your feet on the batter's bucket. Bock. Bock, bock, bock. Johann Sebastian Bach. Keep your feet in the batter's box and your eye on the ball because we'll have another hot pitch coming your way. Thank you for joining us for yet another fun episode of Spitball Sessions. We hope you had a good time. Please pay attention as you exit the stadium to make sure that you're not run over by any cars, trucks, or other moving objects. If you'd like to contact us, you can drop us a line at spitball.sessions at gmail.com or on Twitter at spitballsession. Please leave us reviews on your podcasting platform of choice so that other people can help find the show. Remember, we can't do this without you. And come back in two weeks for the next exciting installment of the Spitball Session. Remember, only you can prevent bad games.